0: your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver, tire, and service deals today.
1: Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast
2: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: Guess what day it is A Hump Day. Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day. Great to
3: have you with us on a Wednesday on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It's great to have you with us on a Hump Day. Good morning, kids. How are we doing?
4: It's a Wednesday.
5: Already. This
4: week is flying by. It is.
5: It is. It's uh, Last week, it would have been over. Uh, clearly. <laughs> yeah. We would have been on our last day. We, we we're still. That's still a work in progress. Yeah, we're working on it. We're trying to get week. it done. Yep. Yeah.
3: yeah, we need to do that. By the way, it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. You can see us on the uh, on the YouTube. Just go to uh, 101 ESPN STL. Like, type in YouTube.com, www.youtube.com. <laughs> I don't think you and have then, to do the WWW anymore. Yeah, I hear commercials with it all the time.
1: <laughs> people fill in
6: time, perhaps.
3: <laughs> so anyway, go to YouTube.com and then uh, in the little search box uh, at YouTube, type in 101 ESPN STL and then uh, hit your return button and it'll go to a screen that shows us. Just click that baby Our and right lovely watch the whole show. Our lovely faces.
4: We, we look great. I'm looking right now. Do we look great? At us Hi, on everybody.
3: The, <laughs> uh, the National League snapped a, a losing streak in the All-Star game last night. That's wow. good news. Yeah. Are
4: clapping for that? Yeah. Might as well. Yeah.
3: Yes. So uh, <laughs> Tough, though, for all the Cardinals that, uh, like Adolis Garcia and uh, Randy Rosrain. all the Cardinal oh. guys had to take it on the chin. But that, mm. that happens.
5: Yeah. yeah they, they don't play for the Cardinals anymore, Randy. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Darn it. They won't be here. Okay. Friday. Or
3: okay. Nolan Arnato will be back. He'll though. be back. Zach Gallon will not. He, he, he mm. won't, unfortunately. Can we he, bring
4: in some, some of those guys back? Just court them it, back it, in here? It, you it, know? We, we
3: got a text they, about that at 6.17 this morning. Somebody was complaining about it <laughs> and saying that, think about if we had Rosa Reina and Garcia and Zach Gallon and Goldschmidt and Arnato. And I I had to text back and say, well, if you're going to retroactively take back the Ozuna trade, don't you have to kind of retroactively take back the Goldschmidt and
4: trade?" Yeah, trades too? Probably. <laughs> it kind of felt like, you We were talking about superheroes yesterday. It felt like watching maybe an alternate universe of what could have been Mm -hmm. with the Cardinals, right? Uh, If you even talk about Sean Murphy, I know that they were pursuing him a little bit. Mm -hmm. The other players, Adolis Garcia and Randy Arena catches, is almost like stepping to an alternate universe of what could have been with the Cardinals. Brooke,
3: think about the last 15 years when the Cardinals drafted Max Scherzer out of high school and if he would have signed with the Cardinals. Think of how awesome that would have been. You would have had the entire career's of Max Scherzer and Albert Pujols. Think about if they had not allowed Albert Pujols just to walk to the Anaheim I, I
5: think about Rangers. that a lot. Well, maybe not a lot, but I, I do think about it at times. Like, Wyatt, you know, best mm-hmm. player you, you've had, yep. you had, let him just, all right, see ya. It's right. been fun. Yeah. Uh, think about if they would have uh, selected Walker
3: Bueller rather than Nick Plummer in the draft. How different life would have been. Life There's could have been of- dramatically different. Think if they would have taken Mike Trout. In the draft,
5: there, there. I mean, there are hits and misses in the draft and trades. Um, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, yep. but you you keep going forward. Hopefully, you win more than you lose. That's yep. really the 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 gist of it. If you're able to do that, you're going to have a successful team. When you lose out on on Rose, uh, uh, Randy Rosarina, I think that that one stings a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was here. I think that one stings a little bit more than than others
3: yeah and that's somebody the other night was saying again it was on the MLB draft if Tampa Bay calls you and wants you to wants to trade you one of their guys for one of your guys don't do it because uh, Yandy Diaz he played in the All-Star game he was a Tiger and the Tigers gave up nothing for him the Mm -hmm. the Rays have an array of players that they have stolen from other franchises
4: what are they doing then when they get over there they're just giving them more opportunities is that all it is they've
3: got scouts again their their pro personnel department is the best. Mm. And last year, uh, and I haven't ch- checked this year, last year, you know, people talk about the draft and develop of the Rays. Last year in the playoffs, 26 players, 18 of them came from other
5: organizations. I can tell you, the, the Tampa Bay St. Peter's, St. Pete area is it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It is I a love change it. Change of scenery, unlike any other. Uh, you know, you drive across that bridge. I forget the name of the bridge from St. Pete to Tampa. Uh, the Skyway. It is <laughs> Sunshine it, it Skyway. Is, it's one of the most peaceful drives. It is. I used to drive that every morning going into work. Mm-hmm. It changes your day. It changes your day going oh, yeah. home. It's just a, you know, there's a peace about mm. being there, and maybe that's part of it.
4: Yeah. I you know sometimes maybe I'm like a worry wart and I start thinking about. Is there somebody currently in the organization the Cardinals are not taking a hard look at that could be the potential next Randy Rose Arena or yeah. another player?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Could be Dylan Carlson. Cold dead hands.
5: Well, he's ha- now. In fairness, twenty-four years old. If you, if well, I mean, you've had you've had opportunities. Mm-hmm. That I wouldn't you have. Him. Judge wasn't even in the majors at this age. Yeah, well, I, I understand that. That's but he, if he about. was in the majors, he would be performing. He, once he got to the majors, he was performing extremely well. I think yeah. that the, the issue that you're having with Dylan Carlson is if he's had opportunities, when you give guys opportunities in the big leagues, like Randy Rosarina didn't have the opportunities with the Cardinals. I think he only had 60 at-bats, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's not really an opportunity. Dylan Carlson has had you know plenty of opportunities to start, hit, do everything you need from him. Would you like
3: an outfielder right now? That would be hitting 302 with an 844 OPS, 14 homers, 49 RBIs. Sure, like, like that. Lane Thomas is doing that for the Washington Nationals. Mm-hmm. Over the yeah. course of a couple of years with the Cardinals, he had uh, let's see, and he did not hit well. 142 plate appearances, and uh, with the Cardinals, had a 625 OPS. His last two years with the Cardinals, his batting averages were. Let me get to them. Batting average not a big deal anymore. Uh, 111
5: and 104. Right, that's not great.
3: No. And they moved him, and now yeah. he's turned into a really good player. And sometimes
5: Washington. it takes patience, but then sometimes it is a change of scenery. Sometimes it is mm-hmm. a change of coaching philosophies that unlock something in a player, and maybe that wasn't here for him to be unlocked. It had to be in another organization. Well, that, and that, that, that's, and that's, that's, that's the, the problem. problem <laughs> that's the problem, because it's <laughs> happening with a lot of guys. Right.
3: So. Yeah. Uh, who who do you guys think? Who who do you who scares you in regards to being in a Rose In
4: regards to being a Rose yeah, who, who could
3: turn into the superstar that the Cardinals give up on and trade?
5: Oh, Nolan Gorman.
4: That's a good one.
5: He, he, I mean, he's probably the player on the current roster with the highest upside. Young, talented, can hit the ball, can crush the ball. If you were to move him, he would probably go on to be a superstar. <laughs> and it would mm-hmm. kind of be funny. <laughs> it would yeah. be sad, but it would else? be funny.
3: Well, and by the way, last year, by the end of the season, a lot of fans wanted to trade Nolan Gorman. They thought he was a failure.
5: Yeah. yeah. He needed more opportunities. He, he's he's had it, and he's shown the ability. Again, if you uh, want to move on a 23-, 24-year-old young man that is really starting to figure some things out, that would be the one, in my opinion, that, You could look back and say, huh, what did we get? Why did we do
4: that? Yeah. I think that some of those outfielders can be potential stars elsewhere. Like, I could even see if you moved away from Lars Newtbar, him doing mm-hmm. what Lane Thomas is doing, when he has a more defined role, where he's not moving around in the outfield so much. I feel like that's a lot of these guys, and you talked about it earlier in the season, CD, is a lot of these guys playing out of position or not having a defined role yeah. for a long period of time or where they can build some consistency. I think that maybe... It, say you let go of a Dylan Carlson, Lars Newbar, Nolan Gorman even, that when they go elsewhere and they have a clear, defined role, they could find more success. That was what would concern me.
3: It, that, it, it It's a concern. I, and, and, and let me give you one more. A, a guy who pitches well in the minors and doesn't pitch well up here. Libertor.
4: I don't know I what I thought you were going to say Zuniga. Yeah. Why haven't they given yeah. Zuniga another I, chance? I don't,
3: know. I don't know. But Libertor, 96-97 in the minors. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, well, but it might go back to what we're talking about. Just a change of scenery, being with a different person that gives you a different outlook and t- taking a
5: different approach. I think uh, I would hope if Libertor, when he gets another opportunity here, uh, he will just it, it's so much mental part of the game. By I think the way, he's just yeah, he's 23. Yeah, I think it's just a, it, sometimes it's so much going on. You, there are nerves. It's just you're worried, you're concerned. You're thrusted into a role and now you're like, oh, my God, I'm I'm going to be in the starting rotation. Sometimes you do need to go back down to resettle, reset yourself. And mm-hmm. hopefully when he comes back up, he will have he will show us what we think mm-hmm. he's a capable of being.
4: Well, there's some good ones from the text line, too. Someone from the three one four said Burleson will become the next Schwarber. Yep. Uh, somebody else said Juan Yepes
5: it could happen. I don't think yeah. so. It, I, I, I know Albert, you know, anointed him the next one. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I think he has some potential, but I don't – the fact that he hasn't gotten – I mean, they had no outfield. They had infielders in the outfield, and he still wasn't playing in the outfield. That kind of was a a red flag for me to say, yeah, he's probably not – he probably needs another position. Maybe first base. Maybe he's not an everyday outfielder. And. at yeah. the plate, not doing what they needed him to do to get those opportunities to play every day.
4: I would rather not see him in the outfield based uh, off of some of the things yeah. we saw, but he could he could be a fine DH possibly. Tyler O'Neill's another one that people keep bringing up. If he ever gets if healthy. He stays, if he, that's he said, what, that's the caveat him, if he stays yeah. healthy. I heard
3: he had a bad back. How long he had that? How about a week back. <laughs> oh,
4: it's too early for that. It's too early. Uh, so last <laughs> no. night, nine
3: straight losses by the National League in the All Star game, but the mm. Cats from the Rockies, Elias Diaz, changed that.
1: Swing and a high fly ball, left field. That one back, that one way back there. Gone! Elias Diaz, a home run. And the National League has taken a 3-2 lead as he blasts that one out to left
3: shop beat the call last night here on 101 ESPN and ESPN Radio. And Diaz wins the All-Star Game Ted Williams MVP Award. So congratulations to him. And congratulations to the National League. Finally. Now I wonder if uh, when you win the Ted Williams MVP award, if you uh, just cool off a little
5: I don't bit. Do it. I, I, I knew something was coming.
3: Yeah, he's going to get back to uh, get back to Colorado, and he's going to have
5: a head cold.
4: <laughs> knew something was coming. No. <laughs> well,
5: you guys, we're no fun, Randy. No, you are. <laughs>
3: I cannot. Come on, the splendid winter. <laughs> oh man, he'll be okay. He'll be to uh, He, Diaz will start hitting frozen ropes.
4: <laughs> I, I am flabbergasted right now. Stunned. You, uh, frozen. Frozen. Clearly. <laughs>
3: oh man. So, yeah, it's if you aren't aware of it, down in, uh, of all places, Phoenix, where it's been over 110 degrees for 11 consecutive days, uh, Ted Williams' head is frozen in a cryogenic chamber. Well, not really a cryogenic chamber. His head is frozen atop a tuna can. Uh,
4: Well, isn't that what they always say?
3: But that's that's what they did. Somebody actually had to uh, use a hammer. No, they did not. No. Yes, they did. What are you talking about? So he had his family. I
4: always thought that was like a joke or like a rumor or something with the tuna can.
3: Uh, No. So uh, his head was frozen because his family thought, well, at some point they're going to be able to make a new Ted Williams out of what DNA we have from the current Ted Williams. So uh, if you just do, I, I think the Google search of note today, if you're driving around when you get to work, maybe as you're driving around on your phone, do the search "Ted Williams tuna can" and see what shows
5: up. Uh, when I when I hear frozen mm-hmm. people, I, I think of the movie Demolition Man with Sylvester Stallone and, and Wesley Snipes, where they, <laughs> yeah. they had the guys frozen and, and then they unthawed all of all of the criminals mm-hmm. and brought yeah, them back brought to life. Back. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what they're trying to do with Ted.
4: But I have a question: Why? Okay. That's that's my question: Is why would you? Want to do that
3: because they want to get the DNA when the technology is available to develop a new Ted Williams so that you have a hitter that's as good as Juan Soto. <laughs> I, don't
5: think,
4: I don't think that's what they were. I think that's it. I, mean, I think be, that's what they want. That's
5: what they were going for. Wouldn't that yeah. be
4: funny if all of a sudden there was just a player that popped up that looked just like him and it was his name is like, I don't know, Teddy? Wilhelm yeah. or something like that, like slightly change it, yeah. and he wears like a necklace to cover up <laughs> separation. Uh,
3: so here's part of the the book that was written. William's head was being transferred from one container to another when the monkey wrench incident took place. The monkey wrench incident was, they took a, a monkey wrench to smack the tuna can off the bottom of his head. Uh,
4: no. Yes.
3: Uh, in the book Frozen, my journey into the world of cryonics, deception, and death, Uh The author says he watched an Alcor official swing a monkey wrench at William's frozen severed head to try to remove a tuna can stuck to it. The first swing accidentally struck the head and the second knocked the tuna can loose. Okay, uh, why a
4: tuna can?
3: Well, why not? It's I feel
4: like that's me. an expensive procedure for no, a tuna tuda's can tuda's to be not in. expensive. I'm talking about the procedures. Oh. To, to put it on a tuna can, it <laughs> sounds I'm like sorry. the cheap route. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, that, there's no way that that's a cheap procedure. And to finally use a monkey ridge and tuna can, I would be pretty upset about that. Yeah,
3: but uh, you know I would what? haunt how, those how people. Would Here's they the know? thing, though. It, it,
4: it, it's so, on the internet. So, so,
3: but it was, it was Ted Williams, so strike one, but then he wasn't going to. Hey. You're (laughs) going to miss twice. It was a frozen rope. And so this is is, is funny. Uh, And by the way, the description here is absolutely wonderful. Johnson said that the Alcor employee tried in vain to remove the tuna can. Quote, he tried to grab a monkey, monkey wrench heaved a mighty swing missing the tuna can completely but hitting
5: the head dead center oh my god <laughs> oh uh <laughs>
4: where was the ndas for this like <laughs> oh, yeah, i don't
3: know uh, none and then and then the guy says uh
5: <laughs> that the head looked nothing like any picture of ted williams i had ever seen well of
0: course god. it was frozen and dead
5: uh. Was there any damages done to the head when you hit it with a monkey wrench? Uh, yes, and it's described. It but a, I'm not going to read about it. Okay. Oh. Is it that bad? Yes. Okay. Up, here you go. Uh,
1: it's 7:15 in the morning. John, Johnson, it's Johnson,
3: 7:15. John, Johnson wrote, "Tiny pieces of frozen head sprayed around the room."
4: Ooh, guys, guys! It's 7:15 oh. in the morning. We're we, from a book.
5: There aren't any kids it's in the car. 7:15. They are in it's summer. The summer. Yeah. It's the summer. Yeah. Look, so. we got to
4: be a little more level-headed about this. <laughs>
3: It wasn't a level, it was a monkey oh, wrench. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, coming up, I heard her on 101 ESPN. Uh, sorry to alarm you about frozen head jokes so early in the morning. Uh,
4: <laughs> our Google search history is on our work computers are going to be
3: so I weird. Ted I mean, what could go wrong? Uh, coming up next, it's Ask Uncle Randy. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 964 399. Yo ho! If you have Ask Uncle Randy questions, if you have frozen head questions, uh, maybe you just need some Sudafed or something. You got a head cold? That's what they should have used. Not a monkey wrench. Sudafed. You got, a head- oh. got a head cold. <laughs> That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. On ESPN.
3: It around you know, I was getting Ask Uncle Randy questions on the old text machine this morning at like six fifteen or something. People are people need their early. Uh, no, that's a different text machine. Oh. I, I, this is the, the the home text machine. Oh. We're doing Ask <laughs> Uncle Randy, so so I uh, I provide all the help that I can, and we are here for you. That's one thing about the opening drive is that we are concerned about your well-being. So if you want to text. Uh, Cousin Carrie and Aunt Brooke And Uncle Randy Feel free to do so uh, the text line is open 314-399-964-634-314-399 399
5: yo Matthew, what do you got for us, brother? He's got it. You know what he's got? He's got to be more enthused. About yes, this he yeah. yes, he does. Yeah, I'm sorry. The yo ho is like the power yo-ho. play dance in my mind.
7: <laughs> yeah, I love the music, but I just I, I love the audio. I just can't do the I can't do the tactile Come on. celebration. It's not it's not it's not it, for it me. It gets Carrie, some like, extra
4: work in the morning. You mm-hmm.
7: know. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Dear Uncle Randy, I'm actually going to split this one up into two parts. Dear Uncle Randy, can STL experience an off? Awesome Houston or Nashville-like economic growth and recovery.
3: Yes, but it will not happen without a merger between the city and the county. Mm -hmm. It won't happen without having uh, safety of the police force. And by the way, this isn't just the city and the county. It's the 53 municipalities that would have to buy in. Uh, But yes, it it is possible. Uh, We would need to have our airport improved dramatically. Uh, We would obviously need to have... A better scenario for bringing corporations in that includes brooke they still do the one percent tax in the city right if you work in the city you you pay a one percent tax i
4: believe so and they just yeah. added it and added an entertainment tax too yeah. which is been so interesting spread but. that
3: out yeah. i was uh, talking to somebody in county government and by the way it's really interesting because everybody in corporate st louis wants a merger if st louis city and st louis county would merge and st louis city has experienced. Progressive, the city of St. Louis, progressive population decline every single year since 1969. If the county and the city would merge, St. Louis would be the 11th biggest city with the 54th highest crime rate.
4: Hmm. I say it all the time because people ask me whenever I tell them I'm from Nashville. People are like, oh, my God, I love it. I love it there. And the first thing I say to them is, well, St. Louis could do exactly what Nashville did. And they're like, no, I mean, Nashville's the music city. If you guys have ever been to Nashville prior and you saw Broadway, Broadway, what it used to be is not what it is now. And it was in direct correlation with merging Davidson County and city. And once that started happening and there was a belief in local politicians and bringing in tour- tourism, tourism, res- uh, what is it, revenue actually would help the city and then the county. That's when things really yeah. started exploded, And then you also had more businesses come in because guess what? A healthy downtown leads to younger professionals wanting to come in. Mm-hmm. More younger professionals come in. Where do those big businesses want to go? Amazon, Nissan, all all those giant companies, which also means more corporate sponsorships Mm -hmm. for things like your sports teams.
3: I'm glad that you have that perspective for us growing up there and understanding it. And Kansas City has done the same thing. It was Austin. What was the other city? Nashville. Nashville. So you've got Austin. You've got Nashville. You've got KC, Omaha, Louisville. Indianapolis, It's worked out. The reason that Indianapolis is the amateur sports capital of America is because of what we're talking about. They merged the city and the county. And
7: they've they've at least kind of started on the airport side. They got that whole plan that's going to go over the next, like, two decades to to kind of redo the the terminals and everything.
4: Nashville did the same thing with their airport. They improved that for a really long time. And also an advantage that St. Louis has over Nashville, because Nashville's experienced too much growth to the point where there's a lot of traffic and it takes a long time Mm -hmm. to get places. St. Louis already has public transit in place ready to go. Nashville doesn't have that
3: good point with their downtown. Which also needs to be safer. But yes, the the bones are there for this region to be a really great region.
7: Part two was if they if we experience that kind of growth, could we get an NBA team?
3: Yes. If you get corporate support and you turn around the 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 and Carrie, I want you to weigh in here. But if you turn around, the population
5: decrease. Yes, absolutely. We're we're the biggest TV market without an NBA team. I would. It would be fantastic for all of St. Louis. Obviously, there are a lot of St. Louis. There are a lot of fans, basketball fans in this area, Mm -hmm. and you know we would love that if if the the people could come together and make a decision that was best for the city as opposed to what's best for themselves. It's going to be difficult to tell all of the different mayors of all of these different municipalities that you no longer have power and now you all have to work together. It's always about power and the power struggle amongst people as opposed to what's best for the people. And that's that's generally what causes issues and, and things preventing from be, from happening like things like this yeah. from happening.
4: And also you want to keep that younger generation here instead of wanting them to go move to more fun, exciting other cities Don't you want to keep young professionals here so they will continue to grow the area because what st louis has is a diehard as you mentioned cd sports fan base lean into that add more revenue into that make it a better place downtown for sports where people can easily walk from you know city sc stadium over mm-hmm. to bush stadium to enterprise center and when you had the battle hawks back in town if you also help with I don't know, maybe fixing up the dome a little bit? Yeah. Attracting more big events? I don't you're, know.
5: You're asking for... And,
3: and by the way, Seattle is number Am 12. Am I asking too much? Seattle's okay. 12. We're 24 in terms of cool. market size. What's next?
7: <laughs> Gotta wonder how bad Nashville's public transportation is that St. Louis is, is, a, is a plus comparatively. Uh, dear Uncle Randy, how do I convince my wife that Saturday mornings are for golf with the boys?
3: Well, you have two days off. Now, I, I wish I knew your family situation and whether or not you had, like... 12-year-old kids that needed to be taken to games and things like that. But if you and your wife are uh, with without kids at the moment, and it is a tradition, an understood tradition, that you get together with the boys on Saturday morning to play golf, uh, I think that you need to say, okay, I love you, and I love spending time with you, but I also like to spend time with my friends, and I would like to go out and play golf with them, and the one opportunity that we all have to be together is on Saturday mornings. Is this something that we can work with? I would... I would try to couch it that way. And hopefully she'll be amenable to that because uh, happy husband equals happy life. What if she's not? Uh, She's not
4: happy? Is that what you're saying? Then you
3: just get up early and go.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Just dip (laughs) out? I don't know if that would go over any better.
5: A relationship has two people in it. Mm -hmm. And both parties are supposed to be looked after. Yeah, at some point right it can't always be one party looking after the other because then Speak that the truth, party Gary. feels a little neglected exactly and then you have things start to arise issues arise yeah. yes So it has be kind happened. treat your partner the way you would want to be treated yeah
7: uh, dear Uncle Randy, I recently discovered that a family member buys Domino's pizza every Sunday, freezes it, and eats it for dinner every night of the week. Is that healthy? And what food would you eat every night if you could? <laughs> Probably not particularly <laughs> healthy. Intriguing. Yeah. It's kind that's of that's the uh, most bachelor thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That yeah. is. Well and oh
3: freezing my God. it. I mean just put it in the fridge and yeah, go well, for there Sunday Sunday,
5: Sunday Sunday. So is it cheaper on Sundays? Is that why this person is buying pizzas on Sunday and, and mm-hmm. or is that just their meal prep? Yeah, maybe yeah. it's their meal prep. I do meal prep on Sundays and, you know, <laughs> prepare yeah. for the week. Yeah, so Domino's Pizza. Yeah, a lot easier meal okay.
3: prep. Okay, th- this is going to sound really weird coming from me. Okay. But the one thing that I would do every night uh, that I could do and sustain over the course of time, well, there's actually two things. Uh, number one actually would be uh, something that's salad-based with, with lettuce and then just get your protein in there and, you know have some candied walnuts or whatever gorgonzola cheese protein could be salmon chicken whatever i I could go that direction with different dressings
5: or the other thing i could do is tacos every day i think so different kinds of tacos yeah i don't know if there's anything i could eat every day
4: mine is easy rice i love rice i could have rice with every meal and be a happy little camper
5: i get tired of stuff after two three days yeah that's I why just, I, I, I like if you do you you can't do ribeye every day it'll yeah, kill you it, it,
3: it and it's great once a week yeah, yeah. but uh, so uh, there's a lot of days where I do chicken no, and broccoli like grilled no chicken and broccoli I just lied you can just I put it on sea taco. Bass
5: every day Okay, so it's uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, you can I'm eat with what? On that one. Sea bass. But tacos. Oh, that's See, tacos like very specific. tacos yeah. is the
7: smart play. Pork, <laughs> chicken, beef, shrimp, yeah. cod. You can even get sea bass, bass and make some tacos. <laughs> like tacos, is the,
5: tacos is the answer. I do like yeah. tacos. Yeah. You, do crunchy, you, you can do crunchy. You can right. do soft. Right. You you have You have a multitude of options. Yeah. No, you
4: picked sea bass, well, yeah I did. Well, right, yeah, so yeah. Is there anybody so it's else? sea bass for life for you. Forever. I get stuck
5: on an island. Hopefully there I can go, get my yeah. I just wondered. There's anybody
3: else that would do tacos every day, you know, that would like that's a be-
5: very that's a good choice though. Thank you. You can because have
4: breakfast tacos, dinner. You, you tacos. have a lot of
5: options. Different types of meats, different types of, you know, how like you say hard or, or soft shell Yeah. Uh, Randy,
7: this last one comes from uh texter Ted. He says, Uncle Hi, Randy, Ted. what's the best cure for brain freeze? The monkey wretch didn't work.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God!
7: Oh, uh, uh, just by give the it, way, give us some time to thaw. I was gonna say, legitimately though, tongue on the top of your roof because as we as we le- I, and I, I discovered now, I've always wondered why does that work? Mickey Sudo told us it works yep. because that's the part that if it, if the top of your mouth gets cold, that's why you get brain freeze. That's yeah. why the tongue on top of the roof of the mouth works. So the key is to eat your ice cream so
3: fast it never touches the roof of your mouth. That's and what we learned. Mickey Sudo the. Uh, Preeminent female eater in the world. She won the the Slurpee competition, right? Uh, um, MLE. I, th- I think that's we asked her about brain freeze. Yeah. yeah. Or was it ice
5: cream? No, it was ice, was ice cream. cream.
7: It was like nine cartons in like a minute and a half, and Jeez. it's like, how did you not how? get brain how? freeze?
5: And how she she broke that? that down. How do you survive that? Like,
4: how no do, you, how have... do you?
5: How do you? You're a well conditioned athlete. You are. It's a different type of conditioning. Uh, so Mickey
3: is a record. Ice cream, short form, 16 and a half pints of vanilla ice cream at the Indiana State Fair in six minutes. 16 and a half pints in six minutes. She pulled that off actually uh the anniversary is tomorrow <laughs> july 13th of 2017 is when she did it you're
7: telling me they split up the competitions is the short form and long form they like, the it's, short form. like right. it's like it's piece writing for a jer- for an, a magazine what <laughs> yeah. the heck is going on yeah. wouldn't be great
4: <laughs> that's amazing We're honestly gonna, yeah.
7: <laughs> long form and short what kind of major leader are you i am only doing long form i need 30 minutes at least i can't do those minute and a half competitions those people are crazy yes.
3: oh, we got to find out what the long form is we will do that here <laughs> Uh, Martin Kilcoin over at the Two Fox had John Moselock on his show after the game last night. You guys both stayed up to watch it. I did
4: not. Wow.
3: <laughs> I figured it was just going to be more of the same.
4: I, well, it slightly, was slightly different. Okay. But might I, not be wrong. I had to tune in because I told you guys the other day Martin Kilcoin is the king of the tease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. TV teases, that is. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Wow. wow. And so I had to stay up and watch that.
3: So, uh, So. Marty used to have a guy that worked with him, and maybe Marty will text in, because I I have forgotten the gentleman's name, but uh, during the Greatest Show on Turf era, this guy would always have a nickname for Marty Marr, Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
3: so he'd say, back to you, Marty Marr 50 grand pots and pans. I don't remember what the guy's name was. So, So I either call uh, Martin Kilcoyne, Marty Marr, most of the time I call him 50 grand, sometimes Sometimes I call him Pots and Pans. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Marty Marr. <laughs> i got to think of that guy's name now. I think he's in Washington doing news now. But I will uh, have that name for you. And we'll have Martin Kilcoins. And we're, we're going to also look up long-form ice cream eating, too. Have a lot we to have do. a lot to do. during this break. <laughs> and then we'll hear from Marty Marr, 50-gram Pots and Pans, coming up on 101
1: ESPN.
0: Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles Pacific and Troy, Missouri, or online at HackmanSTL.com.
2: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
8: Why weren't you guys more aggressive in terms of adding pitching? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, some of the pitchers that we did chase, we just weren't able to, to get done. And then the other was we really wanted to give some of these guys an opportunity. And, you know, when, you, when you're trying to give your internal guys, um, I think the hindsight is is probably should have had some depth, though, to cover for it.
3: Yeah, I think that's reasonable hindsight. That's John Moselock last night on Fox 2 with Martin Kilcoin after the All-Star game talking about how the, the Cardinals, A, and by the way, this is something that John Moselock denied during the winter warm-up that the Cardinals were pursuing pitching. Now he says that they do pursue, did pursue pitching. So uh, maybe he just misremembered. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I, you can find that cut, right, Matthew? From winter warm-up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Actually, the other part of it is, uh, Ted Simmons is a brilliant man, Hall of Famer, Cardinal, and he was the ma- general manager of the Pirates many years ago. And never, He had a heart attack and never had a chance to become a general manager again. But one thing that he told me is that For the young players that he had that were coming along, and these were people like Bonds and Bonilla, he wanted to sign veteran players just in case those players were overwhelmed to give them a little bit of a Mm -hmm. break. And I do think that it's important, rather than putting a young pitcher on the spot when one of your top five goes down, to have a veteran, a a depth pitcher to help those guys out. Now, wouldn't have worked for me because I would have signed Jose Quintana, right? right? But... I get in 2020 hindsight where he's coming from and where people are coming from to have that level of depth behind the young pitchers just in case they don't work out.
5: I I would say to your first point about him saying they didn't try to get starting pitchers, that may not that may 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 have been him not wanting to tip his cap and and tip his hand and show what he was doing, and also not be a uh, you know not let his starting pitchers that were already on the roster know, hey, we're trying to replace you, even though as players we know you're always trying to replace us, and unfortunately unfortunately they didn't get it done. To your other point, when you have young players and they're thrusted into a position where they have to start or they have to be Extremely successful right away. Some people can. When you're a superstar, you know it doesn't matter when you begin. You're going to be a superstar. But sometimes it takes those younger players a year or two, some some seasoning, some games under their at the, under their belt, some at bats, some starts to understand how to be a professional, how to do all of the things that come with being a professional athlete, not just on the field but off the field as well.
4: And hindsight's always twenty twenty. And he's also mentioned that in <clears throat> recent interviews. My one issue. With the kind of putting all your eggs in the basket of these other players and saying that that was the plan all along is that you were completely fine with competition and other areas they embraced mm-hmm. the competition when it came to the outfield, all these other positions they were fine coming into the season with a log jam in all yeah. these other areas except for pitchers right and that's and, where and that's where I kind of get yeah, and that's where I kind of am lost on yeah. that part and you're putting your eggs in the basket of guys who haven't been fully healthy. Mm -hmm. Some of them, you know, even Matz, you even look at Jack Flaherty. And so that's where I kind of call into question what he's saying there, because once again, competition with literally every other position going into the season, except for pitching. And
5: and an older Adam Wainwright. uh, Uh, Yes. Right. Okay. I'm going to play
3: that cut for you again. But first, this is John Mozalek on the Cardinals' pursuit of free agent starting pitching in January it also includes his comments about the young pitching
8: got it there were some things we we discussed where obviously there were some pitchers on the market that we think would have been impactful and if you added them to our rotation would have been a difference maker um you know unfortunately we were not able to sign one of them but overall when you look at our our rotation right now we're pretty excited about it and and I also, as I, as I said earlier, there are some young guys in that bullpen that also started last year. I mean, if you think about a guy like a Polante, Livatore, and others that are hoping Woodford or hoping, you know, maybe to get that opportunity. But right now, we're six deep with probably four or five other pitchers trying to compete for innings. And, you know, a name we, we obviously didn't speak a whole lot about last year and, and for, for reasons of injuries and, and so forth was, you know, Verhagen.
3: And obviously, Drew Verhagen has not found himself into the starting rotation either. So the, the Cardinals obviously weren't able to find their guys. So you've got the problem with the starting rotation. You've got the problem that you weren't able to get the depth of starting pitching. And then you have the issue of last night where you have Adolis Garcia and Randy Arozarena both starting for the American League in the All-Star Game, both coming to the Cardinals and both giving the Cardinals little or, in the case of Garcia, no return on investment. So Moe was asked by Martin Kilcoin about those stars who have left the organization.
8: Well, I think, you know, at the time, the, 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 where we thought our, our outfield was going to look like has not achieved Garcia has or, or even uh, um, a Rosarena. And, you know, you try to pick the right players, um, you know, at the time, I, I think... Swing and a try. O'Neal and Bader were both more valued than them at the time of those deals. And, you know, now things have changed and, you know, you're trying to get it right. You really are. Um, But, you know, clearly those look like mistakes. I would say that they do.
5: Uh, Yeah, especially since one is not here in Bader and the other Mm -hmm. one is often injured. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it it does seem like a mistake. And again, I I I don't know that I can fault him in, in the time, you know, Tyler O'Neill was a top ten MVP candidate when he's healthy and playing. That's what you can get from him now. Randy Rosarin is a two-time All Star at this point, mm-hmm. or one-time, two-time All Star, a- a- ALCS MVP, Rookie of the Year. He has a lot more things under his belt than what Tyler O'Neill has. But I can see the 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 comparison of the two and why you would think Tyler O'Neill could be the better one. Harrison Bader was a, a star in the center field. You you felt like he would be here for many years and then, but now he's not. And so it, it is an evaluation and it's also guys just performing to their capability. I think if both of those guys perform talking about Bader and and O'Neill to the levels at which they could, they could possibly both be in the same category as what you have from Garcia and Rosarina. I find it troubling though,
3: that, the two players were given a lot of money to come out of Cuba and the Cardinals have gotten no return virtually on Latin players that they have signed whether it's Cuban guys Oviedo was here for a little while, yeah. obviously Garcia and Rosarena go, uh, uh, Jonathan Machado, who was a, a washout in the Cardinal organization. I wonder if, if at some point they say, you know what, this isn't working for us. The, the Latin international market isn't working for us. We should concentrate on something else because they clearly didn't want those particular players in their organization because they got rid of them. If, if you wanted them, you wouldn't have gotten rid of them. So... You have to wonder if what their end game is when they spend a bunch of money in the international market. Because they do—they are going with a the budget. They, yeah. they they live with that.
4: I'm trying to think about who currently, Latin player-wise, that you could say that they went out and pursued in the same way they did as Randy Rosarina and Johan Oviedo and Yvonne Herrera. I guess you have Yvonne Herrera still here within the organization. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, they, they they haven't had success. They've never had a guy that... The, the closest they've had to have of getting a full year out of a player in terms of playing yeah. was a Diaz. Uh, but they really have not succeeded. And that's, I think, an issue. When you look at the, the Latin players that, for example, the Nationals, they have Robles and Soto when they <laughs> win the world championship. You look at, uh, I'll be uh, Ronald Acuna with uh, Atlanta and the success that they're having. You know, just get one guy, have, have it work, but it hasn't. We're going to talk more about this coming up at 8 o'clock. But next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 9646 314 399. Yo ho! Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for take it or leave it.
1: Wanna say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in test 314 399-9646. And give us your take
2: it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. <laughs>
3: All right, time for Teoli here on 101 ESPN with Brooke and Carrie. I'm Randy. Matthew is here, and uh, we're taking your text. Take it or leave it. Next year, 2024, opening day, the Cardinals have the same manager and coaching staff. Opening day,
5: 2024?
4: Mm-hmm. Manager and coaching staff? Yes. I'm going to leave it because I think that there's, yeah, there's, there's going to be, be changes made. Okay. Uh...
5: Well, I mean, I was reading these cuts from from Mo. I mean, talking about Marmol and the staff, and he mm-hmm. said he doesn't blame the coaching staff; it's not their fault. So I'm going to leave it.
4: Do we need to? Do we also need to bring up that he also said something different in winter warm up? Well, that he also? Uh, oh, well, I don't know. Well. there's been. There's you have been the some you have the right to change your mind.
5: The more, see that's, that. You get more information. You have the right to change your mind when you get more information. The nope. information
4: was there, whether or not wow. they pursued starting pitchers during free well, agency. Well, <laughs> that he was a part of that information. Oh, okay. <laughs> can I give you another
3: interesting note here? Yes. And, and we'll hear. We'll talk about this at eight o'clock. This is a quote. We went into the season thinking O'Neill, Carlson, and Newt Bar would be our starting outfield, our everyday outfield. <laughs> Again. What? <laughs> we went into the season thinking O'Neal, Carlson, and Newbar would be our everyday outfield. Jordan
5: Walker started on opening that's day. That's what I thought. What the hell is he? Th- yeah, I'm,
4: yeah, do, hell you right. see, do you see what I'm saying now? Or, or you <laughs> yeah, see what okay. I'm saying? No, I'm, I, get <laughs> okay. yeah, I, get I get it. I get it. Here, here.
5: Huh? I'm, that's confusing. She said it.
4: <laughs> there was other players around, so that so, that's was, so, so
5: then there, there, therein lies the, the answer that we've been wondering. It was, it was all for show. Mm-hmm. The the opening day, starting and and getting Jordan Walker here, he was never meant to be the everyday starter to start said, the season. I'm not even sure how many games they
3: played together, o- O'Neal, Carlson, and Newtbar. But I think in aggregate they missed over 125 games. How do you plan for that? A young Jordan Walker steps up. Certainly a young exciting player, but he's still learning the game. So there's going to be some patience there. Well, uh, Newtbar, O'Neal, and Carlson were all healthy on opening day, were they not? And Jordan he, Walker started. He did. Okay. Intriguing.
5: Sorry. That's just me. Yeah. What the hell do we know? We just learned the art of pitching a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Good point. All right. Uh, so we were, Rock showed <laughs> me this <laughs> this uh, message, this tweet about Victor Wimanyama saying the NBA isn't as physical as it is over in Europe.
4: Ooh. Take it
5: or leave it, just wait till the regular season starts, yeah, buddy. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll take, that. I'm gonna yeah. take
4: that one. Did he really yeah. say that?
5: Yeah. <laughs> He said that, yeah.
7: And the funny thing is, is like he's, he's going to end up playing like the, the trailblazers, and a European by the name of Yusuf Nurkic, who's like two, six, seven feet, three hundred pounds, I is just, going to knock him on his ass repeatedly throughout the game. He's going to be like, okay, well then. How many? Out.
4: How many summer league games has two, he played? Two. And it's two. Okay. summer league. and in
7: the very first summer league game, there was a really bad clip where he literally tried to pivot, and a guy bumped into him as he's trying to pivot, and he falls down. Big yeah. man yeah. falls yeah. down. Yeah. I mean, and he f- falls down. He, lo- he looked like a praying mantis. <laughs> (laughs) Had had a leg cut out from under him How just like Shaquille O'Neal Like uncoordinated The fall was Just (laughs) (laughs) Not smart my friend Not smart
4: Take it or leave it. Uh, a lot of people talking about on social media the uniforms, right? And look, that's always a big discussion. I think we all can be in agreeance that we would just rather the players, you know, just play in their uniforms mm-hmm. so it kind of is easier to identify instead of whatever that monstrosity was. Because the National League uniform, was it designed by the same people who designed the Great Britain uniform? Because <laughs> Might it was, have been.
3: Well, the, letters, the letters weren't following yeah, up. These, these, bad. Bad. these are worse than the Great
0: Britain
4: uniform. So I have an idea. Take it or leave it. Players Go back to wearing their teams' uniforms, but to add a little bit of a flair, they get to pick their favorite uniform that the teams wear.
8: Mm.
5: Yeah, I'll take that. So if so you're the Cardinals you can, and you're yeah. on the road, you get to wear. You might want to wear the baby blues, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and
4: so then people can be like, "Oh, this is Nolan Arenado's favorite. Yeah. He likes the blues." I like and now I, it, I feel like it would help with sales even more. Well, not that people aren't buying a bunch of Arenado jerseys, yeah. but it adds that little bit when you're like, "Oh, this is the one that Nolan likes." How the best. about this,
3: Brooke? How about if you get to wear the jersey of the team you really want to play for?
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Every, you get to wear somebody else's uh, jersey. Oh man, Alrighty, uh, you know, that, that on would, to something, that
4: there. would uh, start some controversy, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah, I, I like something. your idea
3: though. I, I, I think that's a, a smart idea. Were those last night the worst jerseys? First I, of all, fashion faux pas: navy over black. Total fashion
5: faux pas. I, I didn't think it, it was hated terrible. It too. I hated I it, worst so. jerseys in the history of sport. I didn't think it was terrible. I just, you know, it is what it is.
4: I hated Bad. it.
5: What I is I that sound outside? There's, what is, what, is that a some
4: crane? Construction work. All right. Cows. I hope <laughs> there's <laughs> not just cows roaming around and creeping? I don't know. One. Yeah. That'd be kind Crab of entertaining. I like it when you call it
3: sport. Yeah. With just
7: with no S. In
3: sport. In sport. The Tricky. worst
7: It's very British of you
3: And this is uh, This is coming from a guy Who It is an interesting sound um, <laughs> It's like somebody's pulling a table It's coming from a guy who uh, uh, as, an, as an avowed Red Wings hater And I think that that the, the stupidest Like what Why do you have a wing and a wheel It makes no sense But the Red Wings thing <laughs> Is Red on red Is just horrible Horrible But this was even worse Take it or leave and it by the way Colorblind too <laughs> Colorblind too
1: <laughs> well,
5: Black goes with everything Randy yeah. That's what they told me That's what me they told up. us yeah. It doesn't
7: go with dark navy blue yeah. Sure it does It's the one thing That's It doesn't go with Karen. Even I caught that Come on
5: now
7: What are you dressing Stop it man Come on Save yourself What did you Jake.
4: say Did you, you say what What are you, what are you, <laughs> what
7: are you dressing like <laughs> Save yourself Take it or leave <laughs> it Roman Berkey wins what? the MVP If <laughs> City wins the Western Conference Take it
5: Take it Should Take it Yeah
4: Yes <laughs> Sorry, I was still trying to figure out what if he was just mocking your sense of style. I, mean, I was, yeah. yeah.
5: It was okay.
7: It's if Carrie walks in here and he, and he wears dark navy blue with black, I'll make fun of him the whole
5: show for it. I'll hmm. do it. I, do it maybe tomorrow. Maybe not tomorrow. I got to see if I got any navy blue. I <laughs> could do it. There you go. Take it or leave it. I got it.
7: Take it or leave it. DeYoung has a Matt Carpenter-like resurgent wearing a Doyer's uniform
3: next leave season. It. Leave it. Mm. Interesting.
5: <laughs> I'm going to leave it as well. but So so this is intriguing because if DeYoung does do that, right, mm-hmm. he goes out there and has an all-star season. How upset are Carl? Why did we get rid of him? Very what upset. are we doing? Yeah, Why? Why? You don't know anything. You have watched this man play for a number of years, and you have mm-hmm. wanted to get rid of him. Yep. And then when yeah. he finally does leave, and if he goes somewhere, that's sports. Or as Randy, <laughs> sport. Yeah, it's just how things go sport. <laughs> it's not always fair. It's not always right. There is no uh, uh, certain math r- arithmetic you can do to make sure everything works properly. It's it just happens, man. <laughs>
4: speaking, Deal with it. Speaking of sports, someone pointed this out when we were talking about earlier about the opening day roster. I forgot about this. Burleson was elevated far beyond Carlson on opening day, two.
3: Yep. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Burley Burley He
4: mm-hmm. was elevated above Walker For something
7: And Yepes really Weirdly yeah. And Yepes uh, Take it or leave it. There will be more interest Locally in college football This year since the Cardinals Are so bad I'll take it
3: Yes And this is a big year for ILL. Uh, well I&I But it's also a big year For Drink I think I Up this or is down a- is going to be a big year For him So <laughs> I think uh, there will be Interest because Here you're, you're looking back. You're looking at the You've got two schools That are accessible In the big two The, the, the power two and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they compete. Thank you, Matthew.
7: Oh, somebody said, uh, "Take or leave In-game interviews are the best. I personally think they're really weird.
4: I it like depends. it. Like the one on depends. The old field? guy, field? yeah.
7: Chief with Panger were priceless. I, 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 thought, oh I thought he was talking about the yeah. baseball ones where they're talking to the guy while he's playing in the field. Oh, no, those were. Soto was really good last night. I thought. I, I thought. Are
4: you talking about yeah. the pitcher? Well, I mean, they had, oh, I mean they had
7: Goldie. They had Goldie mic'd up during the London game when he was playing first base. He, and he was
5: actually good. Yeah, Let you know how much you guys can do. Because yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be able to talk <laughs> in between a play. Well, I gotta block this <laughs> defensive end. How about Hader? I gotta about go block him. Yeah. Yeah. was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you could do it. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to. <laughs>
4: I still think the best one was bueno Remember? For the, for
3: the pregame? Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. It was great. Coming up, we've got more from Martin Kilcoyne's interview with John Moselock and a, a really interesting dichotomy with the Cardinals between what has been said previously and what is being said now. It's next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take.
2: Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app.
3: 804 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Just a, a little uh, paperwork to clean up here. Rob Dezier was the guy who coined the name for Martin Kilcoin, uh, Marty Mar, 50 grand pots and pans. And uh, <laughs> we had talked about the uh, ice cream eating record for the long form ice cream eating record for MLE, and it's 1.6 gallons of ice cream in 10 minutes 1.6 gallons so yeah pretty impressive uh awful ml eating mle record pretty good huh sounds awful
4: oh my gosh
3: and that's why we were talking about the the brain freeze is
5: that why we
4: were talking about brain freeze
5: i think that's yes yeah well we were talking about short form and long form and how much was too much yeah Uh, John Mozeliak joined
3: Martin Kilcoin after the All-Star game last night on the Two Fox. And by the way, the All-Star game won by the National League 3-2 over the American League, snapping a nine-game losing streak. And uh, one of the things that uh, John Mozeliak was asked of by Martin Kilcoin was the frustration that you as fans are experiencing with
8: him. I still speak to groups, and I'm, you know, still out there. And and I think when they're face to face with you, they they have empathy and and you know feel bad for where you are. Um, I think when you go online and and you read what people are writing about you, yeah, there's real anger, and and uh, I'm sure a lot of people are calling for my job, and uh, I can understand that to some level. I mean, it, it hasn't been a good year.
3: Tell folks why you feel you can get this turned around. People that are criticizing you, if you wanted to address your critics, what would
8: you say? Well, I think, you know, I have a pretty good resume. I think the, the history of, of, of our decision-making overall has been been pretty good. And, and, and I think, you know, the, the best way to approach this is, you know, recognize that you do have a problem, admit it, and then try to find a solution. And, you know, we we understand that. And and I'm not trying to sit here with you right now and, and try to defend what we did and and blame other people. I, I, I know that, that we made mistakes and we're going to try to get it right.
3: I would say that the preponderance of the Cardinals' decision-making over the last four or five years is definitely open to question, if not criticism. I I don't think that they've, when you look at free agency, granted, the the Arenado and Goldschmidt trades are great, but when you look at the overall decision-making process, in terms of who's gone out and who's come in, I don't think it is that great.
4: Well, we've been talking about the free agents. You're looking at what's happening with Wilson Contreras. We're not even through the season, and we've seen the turmoils, uh, uh, turmoils of bringing him in as a free agent, but we've listed some of the other players as well. Brett Cecil, Leak is another one. What, Andrew what Miller. Is Dexter Fowler, Andrew Miller, as you mentioned. That's when it starts to become a concern. When there's a trend and a pattern, that's when it's concerning, where you do start to call in the question, okay, maybe what are you doing when it comes to evaluating talent that you're bringing in? to the organization as a free agent.
1: And why
3: couldn't the Cardinals make a guy like Lane Thomas work, right? he's Lane Thomas would be one of the starting three outfielders for the Cardinals right now, and they trade him for John Lester.
5: Well, I think it's... Two parts to it, I, I mean, I think that one part is you, you do need to develop the players and they do need to you do need to figure out a way to make sure that you get the guys in here and they become the superstars of the stars that you evaluated them as, but I think the second part is sometimes when people leave an organization there 's a fire lit in you to be better at your next stop. We talked about it with Brana and Kasperi Kappen, and mm-hmm. When they got here to St. Louis, you saw a little bit more energy than I think you probably expected, or maybe their former teams were like, "What the? where the mm-hmm. hell was that at? Why didn't we get that? Mm-hmm. It's because as a player, when you get cut or when you get traded, you're going to a new place, and your mindset is, oh, my God, this could be over sooner rather than later. I got to really fire it up. So now... Again, when you get those guys that are moving to different places, that could be a part of it. And and in return, you know, the Cardinals got some guys that had already had some success, and maybe they're not as motivated to stay as successful as they were in their fir- in their first place.
3: Now, one of the other often criticized aspects of the Cardinals is that they don't spend enough. Although, if you look this year at how teams have spent, it's not like the Padres and the Mets are lighting things up. Mosella on the Cardinals use of money has the bar lowered from we're going to win a title to we're going to win a
8: division no i, I think like i think people equate bold with spending and and i don't know if that's the the the, the fairest way to look at it but um you know there's many or maybe teams, aggressive maybe. You know, Is that? again it's uh <laughs> however you want to phrase it there there are many teams out there that outspend us or out aggressive us and they're finding themselves in similar situations so
3: is there still that urgency to win each year
8: i mean i i I think i hear that more that that maybe we are more complacent or or um maybe are arrogant in the fact that we've had the success we've had but i assure you like again like even when we look at 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 what we put together on paper it, it it should have worked better it but it didn't
3: so why didn't it work better That would be my question. If it should have worked better then why didn't it work better?
4: Well, and I agree with him, To You know, you look at the other teams in the league, you look at the Mets and the Padres and the money that they've spent, and it hasn't exactly worked out. But you look at the Rangers, and that's a story of how they spent money, but they were also very strategic in the way that they did it and seemed to put a lot of things in place, including, I mean, I will give credit to Mike Maddox because a lot of the players do, bringing him over and how that's mm-hmm. helped the pitching staff. And look at how that pitching staff has succeeded I think that you don't have to be bold all the time in the way of spending. I'll agree with him on that. But then it calls into question some of the strategic moves, putting those tools in place. We've talked about that with Wilson Contreras. Who is helping the catchers right now?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, who is who is making the players that you do have better? And it's not like the Cardinals aren't out spending. The Tampa Bay Rays or the Baltimore Orioles or the Miami Marlins, who have the second, third and fourth best records in Major League Baseball. The Diamondbacks have the sixth best record. Reds are seventh. Uh, So it it isn't like just spending money equates to victories. But the players that you choose have to be maximized. And that's one question I have. And Martin asked John Mozalek about Ali Marmol and his staff.
8: Yeah, I don't think the coaches have any fault in this uh, you know they're hand at the players it's it's you know unfortunately it didn't work um, but I think Ollie and his, his group do a really good job they work really hard and um, you know they continue to do that but it, I think you know their level of frustration is probably as real as a fan base
3: and I would suggest that if the Cardinals are 24th defensively in a metric that they, Use in defensive runs saved. If they're 24th at minus 17, then it's either the players that they were handed, which would be John Mozeliak indicting himself, or it's the coaching staff. Somebody has to be the reason that the Cardinals are not as good as they have been historically defensively.
4: And somebody texted in from the 618, which is just something that we keep talking about. Games aren't played on paper. So, yes, on paper. And I think that's look. And he even points out in the interview with Martin a little bit later on that, you know, people predicted this team to do better than what it has performed. So once again, on paper, all these guys, you would think that it would come together, but something is not coming together in this group or at least clicking on a consistent basis. And that calls into question a lot of things.
5: It's it's on the players. I mean, it's the players that you bring in. It's the it's the players performance on the field. I don't know. I mean, there are, again, I've said this time and time again, as a coach, I can call the perfect play, but if my player runs it incorrectly, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. And then I can call a terrible play, and one of my guys makes a hell of a play in his lab, and like, I'm one of the best coaches in the world. It's not about me. Once you're in between those lines, it's the guys on the field that have to make those plays. And it's the so simple thing. So then it would be the person that brought them in. It would be the person that brought him in, and it's the players on the field. If I go over, and and coaches coaches are are, you know, crazy in terms of their preparation, real, really good coaches. Most coaches, because that's the only way you stay and keep your job. You, you talked about it. The players in, in baseball, they get to sleep in a little bit, right, because they play at night. The coaches are there at the ballpark early, preparing, mm-hmm. ready for the next day, ready for that day, ready for the game. And so the amount of hours that are put in pregame, postgame, and during the game as a coach, it can be extremely frustrating when your guys aren't performing to the level that you expect them to and you're not winning games.
3: And you, then you wonder what happens with a guy like Nolan Arenado. Why has he declined as precipitously as he has from one year to the next? Is he hurt? Is the, the focus on his fundamentals, has that diminished? Why has why he fallen off? Why are so many Cardinal players, I'll say that Norton, Nolan Gorman has advanced and gotten better this year. I I don't think that Dylan Carlson has gotten better. I don't think that DeYoung has gotten better, even though you'd think that a little bit. I don't think that Goldschmidt has gotten better. I don't think that Contreras has gotten better. I'm
5: trying to think of position players. Tommy Edman has been outstanding. I think, but not nearly as good as he was last year. Well, in center field, yeah. in center field, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been. I, I, I like seeing him there. But yeah. then
4: you even see what happens when he's like a center fielder for a little bit, and they put him back on second base, and some yeah, of like that adjustment forgets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so
3: if that's the case, if it's on the players, then there's going to be there needs to be massive turnover, like maybe six new starting players next year for for the cardinals otherwise you have to hope that somehow they find a way to make themselves better
4: yeah They need to. And maybe that's where the money needs to go towards is figuring out a way to maximize the most out of these players.
3: One guy who played great fundamental baseball, David Eckstein, was the MVP of the 2006 World Series. It's Champions Week here on 101 ESPN. And we're going to talk to one of those champions next.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. (laughs) Down, down, as Eckstein jumps it over to third. Tough play for Inns. Base
3: hit at the stadium tonight. 2-0 pitch. Eckstein lines one in the left. And
9: it's a 3-1 to game. Eckstein will dig for second as he delivers with two out. Off the end of the bat, into right,
1: center field. Granderson falls down and won't make the play. Eckstein will cruise around second and hold at second
3: one in the left. Monroe is not going
1: to get
3: it. And the Cardinals lead it 5-4. With Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's Champions Week here on 101 ESPN. And one of our favorite champions is the MVP of the 2006 World Series, David Eckstein, who joins us now here on 101 ESPN, the Cardinals shortstop for those great Cardinal teams in 05 and 06 and then was also with the Cardinals in 07. David Eckstein, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. Good morning. How are you doing?
10: Doing well. I appreciate you for having me on.
3: Hey, as a two-time world champion, you know what it takes to win. If, If you could describe in a sentence or a paragraph what made that Cardinal team so good that allowed them to win the World Series in 06, what would it be?
10: Um, I think the biggest thing was that we got healthy for the postseason. Um, cause we were the best team, um, through May in the major league, and all of a sudden we got injured. And, you know, coming off of, I wasn't there in 04, but what they did in 04, then in, in 05, in 05 was a little bit of a letdown, <laughs> um, losing to the Astros. And so I think we were just prime ready to go. And then basically walking into San Diego for the first time, um, with the, with the regular, with the regular season lineup. You know from um earlier on and everyone got healthy and at the right time and you know in the playoffs you have days off which you can recover and it was just um um, we finally were able to pull it all back together
4: so david during that stretch in the summer of 06 was that belief still in the clubhouse what was the feeling in the clubhouse during that time (laughs) that you you guys were you expecting that result at the end of 06?
10: Well, I can I can tell you this, you know, personally, my thing was we're going to be the having the largest lead in Major League history to lose (laughs) and not make the playoffs. So, so that I can tell you, I don't know what the other guys were feeling, but I was definitely feeling that. And um and it was it was such a relief, you know, when um the Braves beat the Astros and during that final game on that Sunday (laughs) that we actually got in. So I think it was more relief um um as opposed to B-Leaf <laughs> at that point in time <laughs> because we were we were so oh we we would have gone down in history as you know the l- largest choke in baseball
5: <laughs> David you talked about the 05 season and the letdown you all had the best record in baseball you lose in the NLCS to the Astros what was that off season like in preparation for the 2006 season
10: um to be honest like i i, I you, you sit there and after it's kind of crazy. After winning in '02 2 with the Angels, you feel like every time you step into a postseason, you're going to win. Yeah. And, and it's like a month of, like, you just like don't want to talk to anybody. You feel like you've let the city down. And it was one of those things that, um, you know, you just felt so bad. Because, like you said, we, 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 we were the best team going in to the playoffs. And so um, I think we had something to prove the following year. And and you know you wanted to get back out there to be able to do it, and you know we proved it the first two months of the season, and then after that it was like hold on, it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs>
3: hey, can you tell us when they told you that you were the World Series MVP? What was your emotion?
10: How did you react? Um, I it was just it was truly like unreal because when you when you when you play you play to win the the championship, you know the World Series, and so it was just something that was just. Like a cherry on top, and I and I can promise you, at the time, it really didn't sink in. And because you, you mean, because all you cared about was the team and stuff like that. Now, since retired, you know what I mean. It means a, a whole heck of a lot more, you know. Especially when you go to do stuff and be introduced. But at the moment, yes. if you look at my, <laughs> if you look at my face, I think you can see <laughs> the exhaustion because you go from the highest of stresses, and immediately when Wayne throws that ball to Inge to relief like like uh, you know and you're so like okay i can finally relax and if you see i'm sitting on the car you can see my my reaction it's like oh my gosh
4: (laughs) (laughs) david what do you make of the current state of the cardinals and would there be any advice that you would give these players now
10: yeah um i mean i i was very fortunate i I was able to go on the uh, on and be part of the London series. So I got to, I got to be a part and see, you know, some of the players and, you know, the coaches and the, and the executives and stuff like that. And the thing about it is it's a long season. They're very fortunate to be in the division that they're in, you know? And, and so it's one of those things, you know, people need to stay healthy, but you never know. And then you just got to keep grinding. I, I told I mean I was talking to Tommy Edmonds, you know, we had two, eight game losing streaks during the 06, um, Serious, and it's like one of those things is like you can't you can't think about the past you can't put yourself in the future you just got to stay in that in that day-to-day and that the only thing that matters is that game today because if you start looking at how far ahead you know the Reds in Milwaukee are right now. You're chasing the wrong thing. You just got to compete against yourself every day, and that's why I say stay focused on today.
5: Dave, you talked about the highs and the lows of the of a regular season of a playoff run. Can you describe the stress levels associated wow. with with that playoff, with any playoff run, where you're trying to where the expectations are extremely high for the team?
10: Yeah, um, my my big joke is like if if. If only games were postseason, I'd still be playing it's, <laughs> it's where you get that high, I, and so so you actually love it. You I mean because you prepare yourself for the highest level of stress, and the highest mm. level of stress is the postseason, you know. And and the best thing about postseason is no one cares about your stats. Mm. All they care about did you win the game or lose? And so so like it was something that like especially my type of game where it was more team oriented. As opposed to focusing on myself to like to get my numbers, um, it, it, it was I had I had the most fun, and that's why I was saying like you go into almost a depression after you lose because <laughs> cause it, you put so much onto it, and um, and you expect to win. David
3: Eckstein the 2006 World Series MVP with us on 101 ESPN you were undrafted and you did as you mentioned the little things that turn into big things and and it's not only not making errors but it's making the plays that you are expected to make where did that come from because that was really the reason you made it right was because you did the little things.
10: Well, I was very fortunate and early on. You know, my parents instilled in me, you know, you're always going to work hard when you step on the field. My dad always told me you're never going to be the biggest, you're never going to be the fastest, and you're never going to be the strongest. But what you can do is outwork everybody. And then, um, growing up as a kid, um, we had a coach that only focused on the fundamentals of the game. It was playing catch. You know, we weren't allowed to bring our bats to practice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, I mean, I truly learned the game at an understanding where everyone's supposed to be a responsibility, your responsibility on defense, and then just making the routine play. Because even in the big leagues, 90% of all the balls are, are the routine plays because everybody that comes up always asks me, like, oh, my gosh, like how hard was it playing in the big leagues? I go, I go the, the great plays you see maybe twice a month, you know, where it's really outside your range, you know, and I go, and I go, it's the ability to make the play every day, and that was instilled in me at a very young age and the proper technique, and I said, and definitely that was the only reason why um, I was able to make it in the big leagues.
3: And with that being said, as you watch the game now, and it's amazing that it's 15 years later, 16 years later, but if you had a bunch of guys that played the way that you do, it seems to me, David, that... The other team inevitably is going to do something to lose the game. If you play the game where you don't give it away, you're going yeah. to come out on top.
10: And, and you're starting to see that. I mean, it goes back to um, when, I was, when I was a little kid. We, we, we modeled our offense on what made us nervous on defense. And now with all these new rules, you're starting to see, you're starting to see a lot more steals, a lot more action within the game. And you're, and, and it's actually exposing teams that don't know, those, that doesn't have the fundamentals to play the game the right way. And so I think the game's kind of going back to that. And I'm hoping it is because, like you said, if you have guys that understand the game and understand where they're supposed to be with these new rule changes, um, I think, I think they're at an advantage over other clubs. I was
4: reading about life after baseball for you and how you put your wife Ashley's dreams first, where she has a women's sci-fi clothing line. How is that going?
10: That is good. And, and um, so um, we were very fortunate in 2000, at the end of 2016 to actually sell it to Hot Topic. She still consults for Hot Topic, um, and the brand is Her Universe. But we're very excited to announce as well that now she's designing, she has her own label at, at Disney. So um, wow. she designed Ashley Eckstein. Ooh. So, so she has her hands in multiple facets of the design. And the thing about it is, as you know, when you, when you are, once you run the copy and you're handling the day to day, you actually lose a little bit of the creativity and design because you're worrying about other stuff. And now she's had the opportunity to go back to her roots of designing clothes. So yeah, she's very excited
3: and obviously and we hear the the PSAs that you do with uh, with your family's history with kidney problems how's how's the family doing
10: everyone's doing really well everyone's doing really well yeah we um you know the kidneys that my sisters and my brother have are, are holding tight So that's, that's very good. And then my nephew who received one back in 2018 is is doing well and, you know, and so we'll have a couple more transplants coming up here in the future with a couple, um, nephews. And so, um, but yeah, everything's going well. Yeah. I work with MidAmerica Transplant, um, for fansforlife.org, um, and we're, hopefully getting the word out to go sign up to be be an Oregon donor and just try to help out. David
3: Eckstein, we always love hearing your voice uh, and you are renowned here in St. Louis. You'll you'll always be one of ours because of that that World Series and you're such a good guy. Thanks so much for taking the time with us and reminiscing today.
10: Oh my gosh, I really appreciate it. Thank mm-hmm. you for having me on. Take care.
3: One of the all-time Cardinal favorites, David Eckstein, with us on Champions Week on 101 ESPN,
5: 2006 World Series most valuable player. Awesome. And that, the part really that he cool. said you, when I'm introduced <laughs> yeah. Yeah. when you introduce always. always. Yes. No doubt about yes. it. Yes. <laughs> uh,
3: do we need a fighter? You just you can text in to 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399. Yo ho. Just give us a, a nice <laughs> go in there, Matthew. Good job, uh, Matt. Yeah. Uh, Good job rock. Yep. Full team effort. It sure was. That uh, your name and the word fight and perhaps you'll be the fighter next on 101 ESPN.
2: We're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the
1: red corner, Average Joe.
5: Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, a hilarious Brooke Grimsley. Sometimes. <laughs> it is Only sometimes for the fight, and our fighter today is Greg. Greg, how you doing? Hey guys. How you all doing? Good. Doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker?
9: Absolutely. You're good.
5: All right. Here we go. With which NL franchise did John Mozeliak start his baseball career? Is it the Baltimore Orioles, the Colorado Rockies, or the Cincinnati Reds?
9: Not bad. I'm gonna go with the Baltimore Orioles.
4: Which of the four major sports players' union a players' union was founded first? The NHL, Major League Baseball, or NBA?
5: NBA. On this day in 1979, this AL franchise held Disco Demolition Night, which led to a riot that canceled the second game of a doubleheader. Which team was it? Was it the Cleveland Indians? The Pittsburgh Pirates or the Chicago White Sox? Chicago White Sox.
4: Which Western Conference skater beat out Jordan Bennington for the Calder Trophy in 2018-19? Was it Elias Pettersson, Rasmus Dallin, or Quinn Hughes?
5: <laughs>
7: uh, Dalene. All right, we'll double-check our score and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Yeah,
5: i I couldn't see what what number he put up we normally check scores (laughs) but since we have cameras in here we have to be
9: very secretive with our
5: hand signals now so no one can uh see what's going on greg how you feeling
9: uh, I feel pretty good about the third one. The other uh, one, two, and four, I'm not so sure, but we'll
5: see. All right. Well, we'll see if Randy's, uh, you look good today, Randy. You got you going to play golf? A little golf today. I, I can always tell. Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> gave you away? Was it the golf shirt, the it's, it's, pants? It's, it's, I don't looks, know. It looks, looks. looks wonderful. Thank you. You're ready to go play. You look good, <laughs> you play good. <laughs> 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 yeah. Deion said well, you play good, they pay good. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. that, you I mean. that. <laughs> All right. Say hello to Greg. Greg, good morning. How you doing? Hey, good, Randy. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay, with which NL franchise... I'm sorry. Yeah, with which NL franchise did John Mosellock start his baseball career?
3: Uh, He was a member of Walt Jockety's staff at the uh, Colorado Rockies. Oh.
4: Which of the four major sports players union was founded first?
3: Marvin Miller and the Major League Baseball Players Association back in the 60s. Kurt Flood, Steve Carlton, all of that stuff.
5: On this day in 1979, this AL franchise had held Disco Demolition Night, which led to a riot that canceled the second game of a (laughs) doubleheader.
3: St. Louis and Dave Phillips was the umpire of that game in Chicago with the White Sox. In fact, that's the title of his book. Uh, Something in the outfield, but it was, it, it, disco demolition was bad. And by the way, little uh, side note, did you ever watch the documentary on the Bee Gees? No. Disco demolition night ruined the Bee Gees.
4: What? Yeah.
5: Is that when because,
3: disco is dead? Is that yeah, when that started? Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because, and I, I was fine with disco. I loved the Bee Gees music, but this Steve Dahl, a DJ in Chicago, decided that he didn't like disco, and he got people to actively hate the music and the people who made the music.
4: What? Disco is great. I, Bee Gees uh, my parent that was my awesome. parents favorite.
3: Yeah, great stuff. I love the Bee Gees too. But uh, yeah, it's a great documentary about the Bee Gees and about how they were so affected by Disco Demolition Night. White Sox, oh, Dave Phillips. Yeah.
5: What's your answer? Uh, the White Sox? Okay. Just
3: making sure.
4: <laughs> I, well, I didn't want to pass that up. I was, I was taking <laughs> notes on this Bee Gees documentary yeah, over you here. got to check it out.
3: Let me uh, hold on here. There, there, there's two things that we need to do here. Number one, Dave <laughs> I Phillips. I get distracted. <laughs> it happens. Uh, do we have any more
4: questions? Or yeah, we? yeah, we got one, we got, we yeah, one yeah, more. We have one more because there's four typically questions. four. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Which Western Conference skater beat out Jordan Bennington for the Calder Trophy in the 2018-19 season?
3: Hmm. um I will do the lifeline there
4: okay Elias Pedersen. yes do you,
3: yeah that's it
7: that's do it do you want
4: me to keep no going? you
3: don't need to go
7: anymore
4: oh
3: that's it that's
7: who it was Randy you got the options but you only needed one of them <laughs> well, yeah alrighty then
1: yeah We'll see how it works I out for him. It is a one-question
7: win. No need for a tie today. We have a winner in today's fight. On a hump day, was it more of a bump day for Randy Carriker and Mind? Did Greg come in for a win, or does Megamind roll on through the midweek? Ring that
2: bell!
1: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker.
2: The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town, why shop anywhere else? (laughs) Just win, baby. That
7: just happened.
5: You ain't first, you're last.
3: Uh, By the (laughs) way, the name of the book is Centerfield on Fire.
5: It's well, a it's, if you saw me laughing, it's because Rock looked like he touched a button and it burned his hand. <laughs> uh,
7: My hotkey button wasn't up, and then I, I pressed it, and I was like, oh, God. Um, Randy Character wins the fight. It's a 3-2 win, Greg. So close, but unfortunately, Randy Character only needed one option in the fourth one, and that's where he got you. Uh, bummer. Yeah, I thought uh, it
9: was a bloodbath, I thought. <laughs> yeah, hey, no,
7: no, he only beat you by one. We're going to go through the answers here. Which NL franchise did John Zaloc start his baseball career? Well, it was with the Colorado Rockies. His entrance into baseball, by the way, was because he knew a good fly fishing spot, and then they needed a lefty to throw batting practice, and Dante Bichette really liked John Zaloc. Nothing wrong with that. And now you have the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. Which of the four major sports players union was founded first? It's surprising, but in 1954, the NBA PA was ah. founded 12 years before Major League Baseball officially unionized. On that, this day in wow. 1979, it was, in fact, a fire in center field. Is that
3: what he said? He said center field uh, on fire. Center, center field, field was, in fire fact,
7: fire. on fire in Comiskey Park when the White Sox hosted the Tigers, and unfortunately, it got him canceled on disco demolition and night. by the way,
3: Tony La Russa, the manager of the White Sox. There you go.
7: And which Western Conference skater beat out Jordan Binnington for the Caller Trophy in 2018-19? It was, in fact, Elias Pettersson. Randy Carricker wins this fight 3-2. to two. Greg, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show
9: today. Alright, thanks, guys. Have a good day. You good too. You. Thank you very much. And
3: uh, Brooke, the documentary is called "How Can You Mend a Broken Heart." In uh, made in 2020, and uh, you can watch it on YouTube. Actually, I was
4: kind of hoping for like a cooler documentary name.
3: I think that's the, well. I know that's the name of one of their songs. So. Why not disco. Fascinating <laughs> about the BGS and disco.
7: If you like, <laughs> if you, if you, if you like, not if big. you like Nirvana, every single one of um, the drum beats is stolen from disco music. Hmm. very randomly really? but yeah no, um, if I know Dave, anyone... Dave Grohl has come out and said he's like I, I'm not a good drummer he goes I just jacked like Gap Band and Bee Gees drum kicks to to play Nirvana songs like Smells Like, smells like Team Spirit that's a Gap Band kick to open that's it I the man to. just stole disco and put it in a bunch of grunge music it's fantastic no. Nirvana song? Oh Jesus Carrie Smells Like Team like Spirit?
4: Like spirit. Yeah, no. You didn't like Nirvana? I don't know who that,
5: I don't know what song
4: are you serious? I have yes, to you hear would. It. <laughs> you, if you heard a song, you would know Nirvana. I,
7: I don't know. Carrie, I break out Trey songs for you earlier this week, and you can't even give me I, Nirvana.
5: If you give me the song, I probably would sing along, but I don't I don't know it. All right, we'll work on it in the break. All right, thank Coming you. up on 101 <laughs>
3: ESPN as we continue Champions Week, our buddy Kyle McClellan, who was a key member of the 2011 World Champions, joins us here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Good
1: <laughs> to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Breeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you
1: tomorrow night. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011.
3: Champions Week on 101, ESPN's opening drive with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and a huge part of the Cardinals winning in 2011 was the St. Louis and the Hazelwood West product, one of the great guys in St. Louis. Kyle McClellan, who joins us now on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Kyle, I'm glad that we do a morning show because I know afternoons and evenings are taken up by practice for you. So <laughs> I'm glad that you're with us. How you doing? I'm doing good, how are you guys? Every, everything's terrific. I, I want to start with this because you have your your big event, Brace for Impact 46. And is an amazing philanthropic organization that you uh, and your wife helm here in St. Louis. And in September, you have your big gala, which is one of the best in St. Louis. How can people get involved? Tell us about the, the Brace for Impact Gala.
9: Yeah, we're, uh, we're actually ramping up big time. My wife and I put a ton of work into planning uh, with our event planner. And, uh, we're working on it heavy right now, but uh, yeah, September 9th is the four seasons, and uh, it's I think our fourth one we had during COVID, we had to do one virtually, but uh, our fourth one in person and every year it's just been better and better, and really it's just a night that that we get to really uh, dive deep into the work that we do, um, we, we get to have somebody from the work that we do in North City come and share their story and, and the impact that it's having on their lives. Uh, with their family, also try to bring Haiti to the people um, through videos, and and our doctor from Haiti always comes up and is there as well, and uh, so it's a great night. Uh, last year we raised over five hundred fifty thousand dollars a night, which is you know just such a big part of the funding that we do all year for both of our programs. So it's a huge night. Uh, we've always had a great turnout and always have a lot of celebrities in, in the house as well. Thanks
3: for what you do. Okay. My other uh, qu- first, uh, two first questions the, that one, and yeah. then uh, 2011, do you often look at your world series ring? <laughs> I, uh,
9: I, I don't often just go look at it, but I, I do when I do, uh, you know, when I have signings, or I have things around, I do w- like to wear it a lot because the fans want to see it, you know? And, uh, I do, you know. I especially like um, when kids get the opportunity to see it, and because that's what it's about, right? All the kids that are playing baseball or whether it's football, basketball, whatever it is, they all are playing right now with the dream of winning a Super Bowl or winning a World Series. And uh, so, just to kind of bring that to reality for people and say, hey, this, you know, it can happen. It, somebody's got to win it every year, right? Why not be you? Why not be on the roster? And why not you be on the on the winning team?
5: Kyle, does it feel like it's been, what are we, 12 years now? Is, is that mm-hmm. Does it feel like it's been that long since you were on that field winning that championship? Yeah, it feels longer, actually. Yeah.
9: <laughs> <laughs> 12 years actually sounds like, man, that's not too long ago. Uh, I said something. My son had his first football practice yesterday, and I walked out. and He was at my parents' house. I picked him up. and He's all got a, not full pads, but got his pants on and his helmet and everything. And, and I walked out and I told my mom, I said, man, doesn't that seem like I started running through my head? Twenty years ago, and then my son says, "Well, how old?" Are you? I said, "No, it was a lot longer than twenty years ago, buddy." I don't, so you start losing track of time, but yeah. it's uh, it, it seems like a lot longer than twelve years. That's for sure.
4: Kyle, in your opinion, what makes up a championship style team? Like, if you're putting in the ingredients for the recipe, what makes a championship team?
9: Oh man! I, so when I first signed with the Cardinals, I went down to Johnson city and there was a gentleman by the name of George Kissel, who I'm sure a lot of people know was there. And I remember sitting there going, Holy cow, George Kissel is here in Johnson city, Tennessee. You know, it's just, it, it was kind of wild to me. And as we um, he was there for like, you know, five or six days, they kind of come and go. And we came from behind in a game and he looked at me, I was sitting on a bench by him. He looked at me and he said, you know, the recipe for a good team, I said no, but I'd love to hear your thought on that because I'm 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 just been here for a couple of days, and he said a good team can always come from behind, and and I've held on to that for I mean I I my daughter's team this year had a great come behind win and I used that afterwards like hey good teams can come from behind they don't they don't get down and I mean obviously that team in eleven uh, we were able to come from behind. Um, and, uh, and that's just something I've always learned, you know, from George Kissel, one of my first couple days of professional ball. And, and as you watch it, um, it, it, it plays out pretty well. I mean, teams that can come from behind are usually, you know, some of your better teams I can do it consistently or, you know, don't get, don't get worried and don't just get behind and give up. Uh, they fight back and they can find ways to win a few games throughout the year coming from behind.
3: Kyle, what happened between August and September that allowed the Cardinals to go on that run in 2011?
9: Man, I wish I knew because I would sell that to a lot of different, <laughs> a lot of different uh, teams, and organizations, and general managers. But I just think, you know, obviously everybody points to the meeting, right? Everybody points to the meeting that that we had with Chris Carpenter, and 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 I don't know if it was the meeting or what, but. It, it did kind of take the pressure off. I think we were putting so much pressure on after the de- that the deadline. We made some trades, and you know it just wasn't working out. And Carp essentially just said, "Look, guys, like we we owe it to ourselves, we owe it to the fans, we owe it to the organization, we owe it to our family. Forget about everything else. Let's just come out and play, and let's see what happens." And and I don't know. I mean, you know, we're all major league players. Does a does a team meeting really? make a difference, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, everybody's out there giving their best every time. I will say you, I, there's been probably two times in my entire career where you get on a roll, and there's, there's games, and the Cardinals could probably tell you that right now, the current Cardinals, there's games where you look at and there's stretches where you look at and you say, somehow we're going to lose this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but somehow we're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. And we had a stretch there where we knew we were going to win. When you walked into the field, it's it's a great feeling, and it doesn't happen very often. But when we walked in the field in the month of September, I knew we were going to win. And it wasn't going to be Albert Pujols was going to win it for us. It wasn't going to be Chris Carpenter was going to throw a shutout to win it for us. Somebody was going to step up to win, and and it was going to come together. If we gave up four in the first inning, nobody's panicking. Everybody's like, hey, we're going to win. And when you have that belief and that feeling, and then it actually happens, Man, it's it's tough to beat you at that point, you know. Just the pressure's off, and you know it's going to happen, and you're not pressing. And we had that all the way through the entire postseason. And it's a feeling that I've never had uh, outside of that stretch there, and and one I'll never forget for sure. Wow,
3: Kyle, I want to go back to that meeting because, from my understanding, it wasn't a typical baseball team meeting, right? Carpenter mm-hmm. had everybody over to his house. It wasn't in the clubhouse or anything, right? No, it was in the clubhouse.
9: Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was. It was. It was your typical clubhouse meeting, and uh, they might have had another one I wasn't invited to his <laughs> house. <laughs> so, so, Carp, wasn't, uh, Carp wasn't one to... He, he, if, if, he, if it was at his house, I guarantee you it was the top dogs, and you had okay. to have about 10 years or more to be in, invited to that meeting to it at his house. But he was also <laughs> a guy
3: that w- when he spoke, people listened.
9: Oh, 100%. And, and that's... Look, people people ask all the time You know, this year, what, what do you think's going on with the current team? And I said, I don't know, but I know one thing they don't have a Chris Carpenter in that locker room <laughs> and Chris Carpenter was a guy that, uh, you know, you just, when you saw him in the hallway, you tiptoed around him. You know I mean? When he just walked around, there was the, this huge bubble of respect and, um, and accountability. And, you know, you knew he was judging you because maybe, and then you're like, man, did I not, you know, did I not lift hard enough today? You know, he's, he's staring at me and I know he just lifted his butt <laughs> off. Maybe I need to go back in there and get, get some more reps in and, And and that's just, I mean, Carp was a guy that, I mean, he, he was, he was a great leader. When I look back at my career, one of the guys that I've learned the most from is probably Chris Carpenter. uh, But he did in a way that just scared the crap out of everybody. And and it kept everybody in line, you know, And, 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 he had a standard, and you better meet his standard, or, or you aren't going to be there long.
5: Kyle, you talked about pressure or, or teams pressing. I feel like this Cardinals team is doing that right now. They're they're under pressure, and they are pressing at times. How do you yep. alleviate that? How do you alleviate that from happening when you're in the middle of it?
9: It's hard, right? Like you want to interject and you want to try to be the one to fix it. Uh, there was a game earlier I referenced to, to um, somebody you know in the organization. I was watching on TV. It's the ninth inning. They got a one-run lead, maybe a two-run lead. Either way, they got a lead in the ninth inning. And before the inning started, the pitching coach made a trip to the mound. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, and it was in a stretch when they were losing a bunch. You know, and it's like, man, when, when have you ever seen that happen? Mm. And, and So maybe it was a pinch hitter, right? And, and they're going out to give, to give the scouting report. Well, when you're in the bullpen warming up before you come in, you know who the pinch hitter is going to be. I mean, there's no surprise on that. It's like, okay, Hey, you're at this hitter. They're probably going to pinch hit so-and-so. And so so you're prepared for that. You've had the meetings, you've done that. And so just that type of thing, uh, just, it kind of stood out to me. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a pitching coach run out there to, to, you know, tell the pitcher something before the inning even Mm -hmm. starts. Um, and so those types of things start happening when you're rolling and you're doing good, that stuff's not happening. Right. So it just, you, you try to interject a little bit, uh, maybe too much and, you know, and and, and and that's because you're feeling it, right? You're like, we got to win this. We got to hold the lead. So, you know, what can we absolutely do to, to do it instead of just letting guys go out there and do it? And, you know, everybody's trying to figure out, you know, the right solution and the right words to say. And when you're rolling, that, nobody ever thinks about that.
4: Well, that kind of leads into what I was going to ask you, Kyle. Back when you were pitching for the Cardinals, was there a pitching philosophy that they had or implemented? And how did you mesh that with your own style of pitching?
9: Yeah, we had a philosophy from the day I was drafted. Dave Duncan had his his philosophy in in the minor league system. So, thinker uh, guy down in the zone, and and so from my first day in Johnson City in 2002, that's what I that's what I learned. And so when I when I got to the big leagues, um, I had, I was already groomed and able to do all the things that Dave Duncan wanted me to do. And that's why I was able to to not only get to the big leagues, but stay there once I got there. Um, and it's so different now. I mean, now it's, and it started transitioning towards the end of my career. You started seeing guys grip, forcing fastballs, get on their back leg and and drive as hard as they could and throw to the top of the zone. If, if it was, if I was in today's game, I'd have to figure out how to throw 96 somehow, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it like, I wouldn't even be a prospect or have a chance because, you know, I was a 89, 93 guy at the bottom of the zone with movement, um, and that—that that, I mean, when I saw Dakota Hudson got sent down because he was throwing eighty-eight to ninety-two in spring training, and I, they said that's just not going to work here. I was like, oh man, that gives me anxiety. You know, <laughs> like that was—that that was my whole career. You know, I thought, sometimes I wish I could throw eighty-eight. You know, I was sitting eighty-six, eighty-seven towards the end, but um, you know, it's just a different style, different philosophy, and um, and 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 they have that in the system that guys are working on from the get-go. But for me, it was helpful that. You know, Duncan had his philosophy all the way down to, to rookie ball, and, uh, and I was able to work on it for six years until I got to the big leagues.
3: Kyle, one last thing. As of this morning, there have been 23,010 people in history that have donned a major league uniform. You are one of them. Since 1876, there have only been 23,000 of all of the billions of men that have, have walked the earth, and so many fewer than that have won a World Series. What's it like for you to know that you are one of those people?
9: Yeah, that's a crazy stat. You know, like you think about that—that that doesn't even fill up what just over half a Bush Stadium, right? Uh, if you if you take all the guys that, that have played, and um, that's wild. I, I don't know. I don't really have an answer to that. It's a, it's a cool stat. Sometimes you you kind of look back and you're like, you kind of forget. You know, like uh, man, it was so hard um, to get there. And with the draft the other day, somebody was texting me, and I said, you got to realize, percent of these kids are going to make it to the big leagues of that's two that's two people per draft class of that four percent that makes it four percent of that is going to make it to salary arbitration which is three years or more in the major leagues i mean the numbers are just mind-blowing and and crazy and so sometimes when you look back at it you're like man i I can't believe that everything lined up i was able to make it i got lucky um you know there was opportunities that came up here and there that that if i don't have I, I, i don't ever make it you know and um so, you, you get lucky, you, you put in the hard work, and when the opportunity comes there, you don't let it go, and, and, and you ride it as long as you can, and, and uh, it's crazy to look back and, and think of those numbers, but I'm thankful for the time, and, and now, you know, I get to put my time into other kids, and my dream now is that I get to be a part of somebody's somebody's life or career that that's make it next, you know, and, and I was a, a part of pouring into them, and through my kids' teams, and, and all the kids that I come around, uh, you know, throughout throughout the season, so Hopefully I can add to that number in the future.
3: A champion on the field and exquisite a champion off the field as well. Kyle, always good to hear your voice. It's always good to see you. Have a great rest of the summer, and we'll talk soon.
9: I right, appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
3: See you. That's Kyle McClellan, former Cardinal pitcher on 101 ESPN. On Champions Week, he was a member of the 2011 World Champions. Coming up, more from Martin Kilcoin's interview with John Moselak last night on Fox 2 here on 101 ESPN
2: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers
1: it's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset
2: brought to you by clubhouse turf your exclusive partner of celebrity greens we're redefining private golf
8: So we're not necessarily like waving the white flag, but all decisions or all moves we do really will try to set us up for next year.
3: That is Cardinal Pobo, John Mozalock with Martin Kilcoin last night on Fox two. And for as much as I disagree with a lot of the things the Cardinals have done, I a hundred percent agree with that philosophy. And I've said that here on, on this air, I think everything that the Cardinals do from here until the end of this season, until the start of spring training next year, should be geared towards being great in 2024. And he says they're not waving the, flag, the white flag. I will do that for them. Uh, they, they aren't winning this year. And so they should do everything they can to make themselves better for 2024.
5: Well, Randy, you you made a bet last time when the Blues were down and out. Do you want to put another bet on the other line? I mean, you, you got another shoulder. Put a cardinal, birds on a bat. Yeah, I'll do that on the other shoulder. Yeah, if they win the world, if they win the World Series this year, (laughs) oh. You'll get a oh Cardinals God. tattoo on the other, on yeah, the other sure. shoulder. Sure, yeah. That's it. Larry, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Tomorrow, 8 a.m.,
7: no who yes. will be the 2023 Cardinals? Jordan
5: Bennington. Cardinals, uh, Cardinals win the World that?
3: Series. I'll take this one. It's on, so the, it's do,
5: on the YouTube we, machine. What, now. What, what do I get on if the they YouTube? don't? Oh, I don't know. What would you like?
3: Uh, we'll have to think about this. Uh oh.
5: <laughs> we'll you might know. have walked we'll have to into something. Now,
3: here's an interesting thing, okay? Because sometimes things change. And something changed. Uh, here is John Mozilla talking about the Cardinals in free agency at the winter warm-up during MLK weekend in January.
8: You know, I think a lot of, a lot of people had us, like, connected to the shortstop market, the starting pitching market, and, and candidly, we really weren't all that active in that. Now, that might be a strategic mistake, and, you know, in hindsight, six months from now or a year from now, we can look back at that and say, okay, we probably should have, or, you know, our hope is – is that we are right and, and it won't be something that uh, we were crap.
3: Okay, so candidly, we weren't that active in the starting pitching market, but maybe six months later, that'll be something that we'll look at with 2020 hindsight. Here we are six months later, and it's not just looking back, but mm-hmm. well, here's Mo from his interview with Marty. Why
8: weren't you guys more aggressive in terms of adding pitching? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, some of the pitchers that we did chase, we just weren't able to to get done. And then the other was we really wanted to give some of these guys an opportunity. And, you know, when, you, when you're when you trying to give your internal guys, um, I think the hindsight is is probably should have had some depth, though, to cover for it.
3: So I wonder how engaged the Cardinals really were, because he said, candidly, we weren't. That involved in the market In January Now it's, well, we just couldn't close the deals With guy not guys that now that we're in July
4: And that's the thing, is that you... He even admits that maybe you, in hindsight, you need that depth. And that's what I was talking about earlier is that they were completely fine with competition amongst the players in so many other positions, but not with the starting pitchers. And this is the situation you're in where you were too reliant on certain players that have not really shown you exactly that much to be fully reliant on.
5: I'm wondering which pitchers he's referring to when he said, guys, we went after, but we weren't able to get the deals done. I want to know. Who are you? Are we talking about Jose Quintana? Or are we talking about Justin Verlander? Max, Scher, who, who are we? Who are we referring to when we say we couldn't get it done? Like, what's the what's the name? And it could because be that something. Matters, right?
3: Re, yeah, it does. But it could be something as simple as, and I truly believe that the Cardinals misread the market and might have called Justin Verlander's representative and said, "What will it take to get JV?" And they said, "Well." We're going to get forty-three million from the Mets and the Cardinals. Whoa, we can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I would have to believe that even a a guy like Ivaldi, who signed late, and that is Brooks twenty twenty hindsight guy, isn't it?
4: Yes, it is. Uh,
3: And we we admit it, right? It's it's twenty twenty hindsight. But I would think that even Ivaldi, with the late signing of him by the Rangers, I would think that even he is a guy that was out of the Cardinals price range when he when he ultimately did sign you think you're going to get a bargain guy and he doesn't wind up being a bar now he's an all-star he's a really good player but I just think that the Cardinals probably were not in that market financially.
4: Do you even expect bargain guys with starting pitching anymore? You
3: shouldn't. That's where well, I well, think they misread the market.
4: That's what I'm saying It's like I I don't even think that that's even an excuse because I mean everybody with eyeballs can see what the starting pitch, pitching market is now. So I don't even think that you even look for bargain guys. It's whatever works in your system and filling those deficiencies that you know that you already have in your starting rotation, which is what we're seeing right now, where it's you have a lot of the same guys, you have guys that you're dependent on who have dealt with injuries over the years where you don't know how what you're fully going to expect to see this season and this is my concern so now as mo said you're looking ahead to 2024 you have to fix the starting rotation i think that's very clear do you feel like though say that you fix the starting rotation this you offseason the starting rotation this is off-season. that going to solve all the other issues that we have seen this season with the cardinals you believe
5: I think that's a, uh, that's a hell of a way to start. I think the lineup, uh, when they are in the same spots playing every single day, gaining that continuity, I think the lineup is going to be okay. I think we have a lot of – we talked about it yesterday. You got guys on this team, your core guys, a lot of teams would love to have on their roster in their lineup every single day. The issue has been starting pitching which leads to trouble in the the middle relief and long relief bullpen areas. And then you got 16, 18, 19 blown saves. It has been pitching, pitching, pitching at all levels for this team this season. And that's why they are where they are.
3: I, I have real questions about whether or not just getting the starting pitchers will solve the problem for a couple of reasons. Number one they do need to play much better defense. And whether that's being better drilled defensively or having better defensive players or maybe just having healthy defensive players to make your starting pitching as good as it can be, you're going to have to have better defense. And the other problem that I think the Cardinals have is they had to bench Wilson Contreras 30 games into the season because Andrew Kisner knew the pitchers better. So if you have four new starting pitchers next
5: year, (laughs) <laughs> well, the, <laughs> no World Baseball Classic, right? That's, yeah.
4: a, that's, well, a, that's, that's a big problem. No World Baseball Herrera Classic.
3: Herrera knows them really well. Well, there you go. So I just wonder if the Cardinals are looking at that situation. Maybe Herrera is the guy. Maybe, maybe they can fix the problems there. But I believe that if they get their starting pitchers, which they need, and they should sign four, especially based on what he just said. Protecting young guys, not taking for granted that guys are going to be good or healthy. So you go out and sign four starting pitchers. Then you've got to fix the defense behind those pitchers. How about
5: four? I mean, how about two and then bring two guys up? Between Graceffo, uh, McGreevy, Libertor, one of those, ready. two of those three. I only want one. I want one. So I want two of them? Well, if, not the not an rotation.
4: And especially this offseason, you might have to move one of them.
5: Yeah, right. So to get your number one. Yeah. How about so, how, what, do you think they should be starting a a relief role? Those guys, I those younger guys, that's would that not be a more bad idea at all. That that'll help kind of what we yeah. talked about earlier with yeah. molding young talent and allowing them to learn from veteran players how to be a a starter at some point. Adam Wainwright did the bullpen. it. Yeah. yeah,
3: it worked out really well for yeah. for Adam Wainwright. So I think that's a good idea, but. What you need to do, you've got Michaelis and a rookie. Okay, you get a number one, you get a legit number one, and then you have to fill in for you have to fill in for Montgomery and Flaherty. And I'm not counting on Stephen Matz. Stephen Matz can be one of those insurance guys for me. I love Stephen Matz, but I don't want him to be a guy that I have penned into my starting rotation to start 2024.
5: Stephen Matz could be one of those guys, a, a fifth starter that helps mold the the younger guys, them. that helps yep. to get those younger guys information into how to be a starting pitcher. Yeah. And if he performs well, he gets to he gets to stay in that role. Right. You, it's a win-win for everyone.
3: can never have too many yeah. starting pitchers.
5: That's Kerry.
3: that's Brooke, I'm Randy. Coming up, we want to hear from you. What do you think of the responses of John Mozalock in this interview with Martin Kilcoin? We've got your text line open 314-399-9646 314-399. Yo! You can always leave a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app as well. You are next on 101 ESPN. Back to
2: the opening drive podcast on
1: 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Listening to Mo talk, I think that's a real problem because how come all the fans could see what was lacking and he couldn't? He thought that he put together a good team. We said from the very beginning, where's the pitching?
3: Janet, you're 100% right. Janet with the mic drop here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carey, and Randy. An interesting interview that Martin Kilcoin did with John Mozalek last night on Fox 2, and you'll be able to see that on their website. By the way, Cotterville Chris texts in and says, The only words I wanted to hear from Mo is, I'm firing myself. <laughs> Martin also did tweet, that he texted with Bill Dewitt Jr the Cardinals chairman and Bill Dewitt said he Mo has an impressive track record and I fully support him which is why I signed him to a two year extension which he will fulfill that takes you through 24 and 25 so if you want to get rid of Mo the owner is saying no not getting rid of Mo I, Pobo Mo po-
4: No
5: Mo won't
3: go No Po-bo? No Mo <laughs> No, no, mo, no, mo no,
4: no, po- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It works, it works. <laughs>
3: but here's here's the thing. And I, I do think that the Cardinals need to have and I'm not saying that they need to replace John Mozalek because I do agree that he has a good resume and a good track record. But I also believe that the Cardinals need to have some fresh ideas. And maybe that's something as simple as promoting a guy like Randy Flores into more than just doing the drafting because he's done a magnificent job with the draft. But maybe just get another voice in there to talk about your major league team.
5: Uh, Why uh, not? An outside voice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A voice from, from a different organization? I think that or would be great. Somewhere, it may, uh, figure out something Yeah, that allows you to if you're if you're drafting well but not developing well then that's a problem if you if you can recognize which guys are going to be really good but then when they get here they're not good enough and then they go somewhere else and then they are good as as you had uh, projected them to be that. That's a problem. You have to figure out a way. Development is one of the is the key components to, to a, a successful organization. I, I you can have all of the potential in the world. Potential is a a dangerous and scary word for me because it really means you got the potential, you got the talent, but it hasn't been fulfilled yet. You haven't shown it. Okay, I think you know. it's French
3: for you've never done it before. There
5: you go. I think that's uh, I think yeah. that's correct. <laughs> and so it's a it's a dangerous word when you talk about how much potential someone has. When they have potential, you have to be able to develop that person to be a professional athlete, no matter what the sport is, so that they can be be comfortable with the everyday rigors of playing that position, playing that sport and knowing how to be successful.
4: I, I think that, too, some of the best coaches in all sports are able to develop their players and having those the right people in place with the players that you have. That is only going to make them more successful, where we're not having this discussion about how much money you might have wasted on a player. You didn't give a player full potential, because if you have the right people in place that you know can fully develop a player into where it's more than just potential, I think that that also adds to it, where that should be something that should be looked into, is making sure that all the right people are in place.
3: Well, and here's an alarming thing, if you're a Cardinal fan, is Moselleck says that Marmal and his staff have done nothing wrong. And DeWitt says, Mosealoc is great. Well, Somebody's okay. Wrong. So, so why are we 14 <laughs> games under 500 then? If if the manager and coaches have done nothing wrong, and the person who's bringing in the players who built has the roster? done nothing yeah. wrong, and we're 14 games under, what are we supposed to take from this? That that's the best they can do?
5: I get... I would hope not. What what major changes have happened from last season to this season in, in terms of players? Personnel.
4: Well, no Yachty, no pool no holes. No Yachty, no pool holes. Okay. Well, and then right. even pool holes, it was second but, half yep. pool holes. But Yachty, yachty wasn't, yachty here, yachty all wasn't the time. here
5: the entire time. Adam so, Wainwright
4: was performing better. Um, so
5: you got three players. Yeah, Flaherty
3: really wasn't. Yeah. You got but the, the, the majority
4: just- of the guys are, are. Jose Quintana and Montgomery brought in yeah, at, the, at the, trade, the deadline. At the deadline. Mm-hmm.
5: I'm just trying to figure out what what major changes to this roster because I I, I will always say the players have to perform better. I've been on terrible teams. I can tell you my coaches spent hours upon hours Mm -hmm. upon hours of preparing us. We weren't good enough or we just didn't perform well enough, and that's when it's frustrating because you know guys – have a track record. It's not potential that we're talking about. These guys have track records of having success, and right now they have not had the success that we are accustomed to to seeing this Cardinals baseball team and have.
3: That to me is the big thing that the Cardinals need to answer: is is it that the players aren't good enough, or they aren't being prepared well enough to go out and win games? I am on the fo- I, I fall on the side of the Cardinals players having enough talent to win with, but the talent isn't being maximized.
4: And then you had Maddox leave. You had Skip, who is also Mm -hmm. part of your coaching staff, leave. And Maddox, obviously a lot of experience. And then he goes over to the Rangers and even Jeff Albert leaving. So that's a pretty big amount of turnover that you had with the coaching staff. And you were expecting Matt Holiday to be a part of your coaching staff this season. I, I think that that all... It's a culmination of all those changes happening at once. I feel like definitely could affect the team and preparation-wise – could affect the players, too, when they're used to some of those faces who have been there for a while.
3: 100%. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. The uh, St. Louis City SC side is in L.A. to take on LAFC tonight. And the director of sport for St. Louis City SC, our buddy Lutz Fahnenstiel, joins us next on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away.
1: And it's an equalizer. And a word. Chaos. Oh, it's a giveaway the Who collects it all assist and scores a wonderful goal? We're breaking down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call
2: Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone event Staffing. Better people mean better events.
6: We believe in an organic growth. We believe in uh, sustainability. I think that is the most important. And looking at, uh, for example, uh, Joachim Nielsen coming soon back, you know, that's for us one of the best defenders in the league without any doubt. We're all excited to, to get another absolute leader on the field, which, which will make us better and which also increases the competition. There is nobody there who believes he's second string. Samadindarain comes back and he bangs two goals in, which creates competitiveness within the squad. And I think we are very,
3: very happy about that. That is the director of sport for St. Louis City SC, Lutz Fonensteel, talking about the transfer window and how the St. Louis City S. C. side has done such a magnificent job of promoting from within and developing their own talent. Brooke Grimsley, Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, and we go to the celebrity line now. And Lutz Fon Steele joins us on this day that St. Louis City S. C. will visit LAFC. St. Louis City S. C. leading the Western Conference with thirty eight points. LAFC with thirty three going into tonight's match. Lutz, it's always good to talk to you. How are you doing this morning in LA?
6: Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. Sunshine. Beautiful city, owners.
5: Randy didn't give you the proper introduction, so we'll try that again. Hello,
6: lose. <laughs> Good morning. There we go.
3: <laughs> well, uh, let's let's start with this as you traverse this schedule, and this is a, a tough part of the schedule. Uh, what are your expectations for your club in tonight's match?
6: Yeah, I think just to to know uh, to. Not just, again, to look at the table and and be happy and, and think, wow, we have uh, so many points already. I think it's uh, that's a game where you have to, to grind and fight and bite and scratch. You know, it's LIFT without any doubt, uh, the the best squad when it comes to, to, to quality, when it comes to individual quality in the country. Current champions, uh, I mean, a big list of things, what they're doing very well. But we also know that the last few games uh, or since the Champions League exit, they 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 did struggle a bit. You know, it's normal. They physically and mentally are a little bit tired. And um, I think mentally and physically, we are right now at a high. So we're definitely here to give them a good game. And uh, I really believe that, you know, we're coming back to match day one when uh, LAFC was one of the big favorites and we were the big outsider, the big underdog. And I think that's what is the the truth about the game today. We are the underdog, and LHC is the favorite. So let's try, come and get us.
4: Lutz, you guys have had, it seems like, a new hero arise in just about every win that you've had. Despite losing some of your stars in Leuven and Klaus, you're still having these young guys make the most of their opportunities. Recently, it was AZ Jackson. And, I mean, for him to be able to come up... How big is that? And also, is it a testament to show how big the MLS Next Pro program can be for players?
6: Yeah, you know, the idea was always, uh, I said that from the one, we want to have a very hungry team and also our our guys, which are, uh, have a bit of the bigger names, uh, that also were guys which were hungry. So, of course, the the youngsters in the squad, they're burning to get out there. They're working hard every session. Uh, you're watching lots of them. Uh, uh, always? There's always some fire. There's always a good atmosphere and a good vibe in it. And they see a the guy, you know, he, he plays some exciting football. He's he, he's very motivated, big feet, exciting to watch, but he's also a hard worker. And when we saw him last year against us in, in the next pro, he was the one who actually uh, caught my eye very early on. When uh, yeah, they beat us actually in St. Louis, when we were really tired, that game. I remember that very well and he was outstanding. So we worked very hard from early on to get him in. And it took him a few games actually to, to get into the starting lineup, but he never gave up. He worked hard in and, and the last two games. He somehow really I had the feeling that he, he yeah, he rewarded himself for all the hard work he put in. Put in. And yeah, he's a bit of a fan favorite as well, I think, you know, because he plays that exciting football. So that just for us is that kind of proof of the 21 games that we do have a good depth as much as depth is possible in an MLS team with all the rules and regulations, but these 20, 21-year-olds who coming on and really working their socks off, that's what we're looking for, and, and, and it pays off. You, you talk about the depth, and obviously
5: you never want to have, you know, as much time as you've had without um, Luvin and without Klaus, but are those guys, are those younger guys starting to get settled in their roles and, and what is expected of them? You all on a three-game winning streak, so are they starting to get more settled in their roles day-to-day?
6: Yeah, 100%. You know, it's also the the nerves are gone, the confidence is, is, is becoming more and more. And uh, as we do have a, a style where I think uh, the physique and the heart plays a, a very, very big part. It's not just about playing the most beautiful football. It's about to, to work for each other, uh, to have each other's backs. And, and I think that is something what we really proved so far. When somebody does come on, uh, you know, he, he stands up for, for his position. He stands up for his injured teammate and, uh, and 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 it worked out so far, but again, you no, today LFC that's a different kettle of fish. I would say uh, they are they are they are so big, they are so rich, they have so many top players. Uh, they are somehow flying in a different hemisphere than we normally would, uh, which and we're playing away from home. So um, my my expectations are there. Go out there, work hard, enjoy yourselves. We will have lots of youngsters on the field again, and. Uh, you know, the big pressure today is definitely not on us. They had a horrible time in the last few weeks and that means that they need to win this game much more than we need to win it, and that can work for us.
3: Lutz von Steele, Director of Sport for St. Louis City SC, and Lutz with Nielsen coming back and Leuven and eventually Klaus. You have the transfer window open until August second. How important is it or is it important at all for you to go out and utilize the transfer window with the knowledge that those players are returning?
6: Yeah, it's more about not making any panic signing uh, exactly on that position. We are hundred uh, percent sure that well actually Edo is in the score today. So, you know, it's, uh, we are nearly there. Um Jakob Nilsson Wilson is training really well, so he's uh, waiting now for the for the for the next few moments I would say to, to get it get his return in. And Klaus uh, looks better and better every day, so these boys will be back definitely towards uh, the start uh, of the of, of the MLS again, the restart. So, of course, we do monitor and we do look at certain strengthening in certain positions, but we're not going to replace uh, and bring in Edu 1, Edu 2, Edu 3, Klaus 2, Klaus 3. That will just kill the atmosphere and uh, the vibe in the squad. So when we do something, it needs to be strategically smart to, to get players to make us better on the long term. And not just, I like to use the word quick fix, fix. We don't want that.
4: We've been talking a lot about the players, but how impressed have you been with Bradley Carnell and his ability to continue to get the message through to all the players?
6: Yeah, I'm very impressed. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it, it first he's a head coach, uh, so it's it, it definitely something special. Like he, he runs the, the, the locker room in a way that he has done it for many, many years, which is, of course, a, a very important part. But the, the playing style, uh, the philosophy we have, uh, the, the idea about the DNA of the club is that uh, everybody is the same. We, know we don't really just uh, have all our well, relying on one or two or three guys. It's, it's all about the big group. And to manage that, manage expectations, get everybody on the field, give everybody minutes. That's, I think, the big secret. Keep the squad happy. Keep the players interested. Keep the players happy. Keep the players burning every day. And I think that's something uh, the whole coaching uh, staff, of course, is Bradley on top, uh, is doing really well.
5: Lutz, I know you all are in the middle of your season, and at times you are so focused on what City has to do. But do you ever take a look at the landscape of MLS and and see, you know, you got, I don't think we've spoken since Messi signed with Inter Miami. Have you looked at that and and how that can impact uh,
6: MLS in in a positive way? Yeah, of course, you know, it's my joke to me. Literally have 18 eyes and look at everything. Uh, <laughs> I only have 16, unfortunately, so I missed a few things. Uh, but but uh, now Miami, of course, I mean, you can't really miss that, to be honest, When mm. everybody talks about Messi. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a big moment for the league, to be honest. You know, Messi is not just another world-class player who has been at the top. I mean, he's one of probably the best players ever. Uh, probably he is the best player ever. And for him coming in, I think the whole MLS will get a, a massive push. Uh, Miami, of course, will also get a little bit better, uh, which is important for them. But it is uh, it is huge. It is something, I think, which uh, the generations to come, youngsters all over the country, I think it just will promote the game of soccer uh, tremendously and and yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm really, really happy that that he come. I'm also really, really happy that he's not playing on on Saturday. When <laughs> they're <coming for> me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Miami, Miami, all the all the magic in in the in the season, but only after our match. <laughs> there you go.
3: Lutz is always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. It's great to hear your voice. Good luck tonight against LAFC, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Lutz. Lutz Steele. he is the director of sport for St. Louis City SC, and they are on a roll. By the way, and we'll talk to Lutz about this. I, I wonder how big analytics are in MLS. They lead, uh, uh, St. Louis City SC does, in goal differential in the whole league. They don't have the most points, but I, I wonder how, how much depth there is to the analytics that they use in soccer. I, I'm intrigued to find that out, so we'll ask him next time he's on. Coming up, we've got rock and roll here on 101 ESPN
2: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers
1: let's rock let's rock today
3: ESPN has your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals and the Marlins. Next week's Bud Bash game features a limited edition Brad Thompson bobblehead. Text in now, 314-399-9646 to win the Budweiser Bash tickets for the Cardinals versus the Marlins. We'll have the question for you in just a moment. You can get all the details on this season series of Budweiser Bash Cardinals games now at cardinals.com promotions. Okay, Brad Thompson. Obviously very famous, five years with the Cardinals, World Series champ, pretty awesome. Brad Thompson also was on an episode of ER. An <laughs> he's episode a, he's of also ER. a famo-
4: famous actor?
3: Yes, he is. <laughs> Who hit the home run off of Brad Thompson in the episode of ER that he appeared in. Texture number, oh, let's go with texture number 16. Texture number 16, Will win the tickets for the Budweiser Bash If you can answer the question Which hitter hit the home run off of Brad Thompson In the episode of ER That he appeared in
4: I feel like there's I learned something new about BT Almost every day Oh, Oh yeah There's so much lore there He's like an onion
5: Hey. A lot of layers. Well, uh, here's the thing: layers, not how, not not smelly.
3: Uh, no,
4: no.
5: Okay,
3: just checking. <laughs> try, try this because we're we're already on the YouTube. Okay,
4: on the tube. Okay, yep.
3: just uh, type in "puppy kicker's MLB well, debut."
4: There is puppy. Really, no <laughs> puppy no. really no need. really no need to to Google that. I'm going to do it anyways.
5: Randy, MLB. Yeah, There's Pu- a, puppy kicker's a, MLB debut. I don't think debut. you have to do that. You don't have to. <laughs> you it's you kind of you, funny. You, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, if you love him, BT. You. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he didn't. It was, he misspoke. Yes, he well. He he misremembered. He mis- yeah. <laughs> what, what do you find in there? What do you find the in there? First
4: video that comes up is Puppy Kicker's debut. Uh-huh.
3: And, uh huh. And who is it? <laughs> oh my uh,
4: goodness! It looks like BT. It is Puppy yep. Kicker's debut. <laughs> <laughs> look! Yeah. Look!
5: Terrible. Come yeah. on. <laughs> what are we doing here?
4: <laughs> Randy, did you put that video up there? I
3: did not. No, I wish I would have. All right, so, so you
5: wish you would
3: have. Would have been
4: me. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I mean, you, and you get paid for uh, YouTube hits and likes, yeah, so right. you, you would have got. Yeah.
3: You got a lot of money. Uh, I don't want to torture BT. No. Good. Well, Thank BT you. is. Number one, as I've mentioned to him many times And I use that stat with Kyle McClellan today There's only been 23,000 people That suited up and fewer than that Way fewer than that Have won a world championship yes. And pitched in <laughs> playoffs and World Series This is
7: such a good text You can call him an onion, just don't call him coleslaw Yeah, but also What was it that you said
4: to him in the clubhouse That one day when we ran into him When we went to the Cardinals game Where you were trying to make him feel better I forgot oh. what it was
3: I don't know. But uh, he, he was good.
4: He was a, he was a good pitcher. Yeah.
3: I liked him. He was, next too, Greg Max. Guy. Oh, was it 57 and two-thirds scoreless innings <laughs> in the minors? Yes. That's yeah. what it was. Uh, I always use that one. Yeah. 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 To bring him yeah. back. Yeah. And and bring him back to the... Go, uh, <laughs> if you, If you say... You know, BT. If you're with somebody and you introduce me, say BT had 57 consecutive scoreless innings in the minors. He said he'll say, "Well, 57 and two thirds." <laughs> but who's
5: counting?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you
7: are. <laughs> hey, two outs are a big deal in a, reliever, in a yeah. relief pitcher's life. Don't 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 short them, those two. Set a record. Get out of here, guys. Adam Scheffner is reporting. Sources have told him that they've decided the league's hard knocks team for this next season.
5: Yeah, cool.
7: And it's Uh-oh. the New York Jets, Aaron Rodgers, and Uh-oh. the New York Jets. We're gonna hone in on that storyline because we haven't heard enough about it, and we're gonna get a New York Jets team for the second time in the uh, history of Hard Knocks. The first time being when they were under.
5: Um, Let's restaurant. go get Mike
3: and snack.
5: One of my uh, one of my good friends was on that on that uh, Hard Knocks when they cut him. He he went. It oh. went what is it called viral? Yeah, it wasn't viral way. at the time, but he's on one of the uh, one of the Turk episodes. The the best of the best uh, Hard Knocks. He he made that, so. Him getting oh, fired. yeah. Really? Yeah. He, how he responded, my boy JD. How did he respond? Uh, it not <laughs> uh, It's probably not safe for work, but he. Oh he, no, really? Yeah, he let him know what he felt about it. Yeah, my guy played it played at Illinois with me from St. Louis. Do you agree with that, Davis? Uh, yeah, I've been in that room. <laughs> I've sat, and so I, I told you this earlier. I don't. I have never watched an entire season of Hard Knocks. Even like. No. Like, okay. wow, I lived that. I got cut more than enough times <laughs> to not need to rehash that memory. You know how much trauma is associated with that? Fair amount. You, we Fair we amount. were on with Rand Carthon. He told you we were at Applebee's trying not to get cut.
7: That's <laughs> true. What the hell
5: are we doing? We, we're, we're sitting here till midnight just panicking and no phone call. Okay, we might be okay. All right. Yeah. There's a, a sheer... Fear associated with that.
4: I, I can't know. imagine then having to rewatch it. Yeah. It, it's
5: definitely I, I hear it too. It's an echo. Hello. hello.
4: Oh is it Hello? It's it's hello. my YouTube, I think.
5: Oh, I is. didn't
4: mean to do it. I'm sorry guys. I don't know why the volume was up anyways. Hello, echo, hello. hello. <laughs> Now, now people get to go around and see. <laughs> it was carries, by right. the way. It was it carries, the by was the way. Caries? It was carries. Yeah. Oh, way. Sorry, <laughs> I ain't
7: touching anything. <laughs> it was your your sound was up. There's no no no, no need to worry about yeah. it. Uh, other other news coming across Twitter. Oh, this is this is really it. cool. Good for St. Louis. A. Effort is being put together by St. Louis, including Bill DeWitt, Tom Stillman, Brett Hall, and a m- bunch of other um, big NHL names, as Twitter is not wanting to load for me. And they're trying to bring the World Juniors through St. Louis in the future. I think that's fantastic. When you look at all the youth hockey players that yeah. have come through St. Louis, the way that youth hockey has taken over this city in a lot of ways, I think it makes complete sense to get the World Juniors here.
4: Agreed. Why not?
3: Do it. They've tried Let's before. And Buffalo got it for some reason. Buffalo so, um, so well, yeah it's colder a, there I nice guess city. I don't know
5: yeah. Buffalo's a nice city they're fine people yeah they, they donate though. really
3: well but when you know you're what? they, when they you only got cause. it because they were close to Toronto uh, so we, we would right. fill up the building for the World Juniors It'd be sure. awesome yes. buildings yes that'd be great uh, thank you Matthew Pleasure, Randy. That's our producer and audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. <laughs>
4: Fixing our audio in- issue that oh, we just yeah. had a minute yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, uh, taking care of uh, hump day for us. Uh, Brooke, this has been a fun hump day.
4: Yes, it has.
3: So we, we learned a lot today. Didn't we be? Uh, um, I, I almost called you BT. You did almost call you were,
4: me. BT. <laughs> I kind of look like him. I mean, yeah. I, I
5: can see the similarities. Yeah, <laughs> so
4: similar. Yeah. People on YouTube can now see how similar you guys look.
5: They look like twins. <laughs>
4: CD <laughs> <laughs>
5: BT CD. <laughs> My
3: man. And uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of this show. Chris Kerber coming up. We, he's got a little balloon party for you. In for McKernan or us? Uh, us. Yeah. I'm not sure at this point. For all of us until tomorrow (laughs) at 7, have a great hump day, everyone. That's right.
1: You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and
2: ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.